This week on Out Now with Aaron and Dave, we are doing a double feature, Sorry to Bother You and Blind Spotting. Time to get hyphy up in the Bay Area! We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 332. 332. We're getting really close at 333. That's next week. I think the Mega Ball number is also, like, really, really high, so maybe we should go buy a ticket each. Certainly things we should talk about right now. What numbers would you pick? (laughs) Three thirty thirty two. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's episode three hundred and thirty two, and we are talk. We have a double episode this week. We're talking blind spotting and sorry to bother you. Two uh, two Oakland based films um, that rely a lot on uh, some very specific topics that I think will be fun to kind of discuss. Fun in question marks or in quotation marks. I think there's a lot of ways, things to talk about. Uh, but yeah, uh, joining us to, and we'll also talk about some. We got a lot of trailers coming this week, basically. Uh, Comic Con was this past Indeed. weekend, and so there was a number of trailers. We're just going to kind of go through all of those as well. So we got a packed show, guys. It's going to be a good one. Uh, joining uh, Abe and I this week to talk. Uh, sorry to bother you, blind spotting and more. We have from Lenoir Artur. He brought his employee of the month trophy to this podcast. It's Terrence Johnson. Hey, everybody. Also joining us from Movies, Marcus, recording live from his moving van, it's Marcus Robinson. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I can't see right now, but I'm putting that uh, the slow clap emoji up. Oh, yeah, I see fans, it. I can't see it. <laughs> By the way, Mar- uh, Terrence, I like your initiative bringing your trophy to the podcast. <laughs> You're definitely getting that job. But no, how, how are the two of you guys doing tonight? I'm good. Yeah, I'm great. Good, keeping cool. I I, I enjoy watching black movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've 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 catered this to be the blackest possible podcast for you to be on since you're. Since I, I gave you a I gave you like a little. What was the last thing you're on? What would you talk? What did we talk about before? It was was it Jurassic uh, World? Her, her, hereditary. It was it Hereditary? It was Hereditary. It was a double episode. Oh, it was Hereditary and oh. Ocean's Eight, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was the a, it was the least black was, episode you've ever been on on this podcast. Yes. So now I made it the most black episode you can be on in this podcast. That's all. I, that's all I've done here. Rihanna is from the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's you know she's number seven out of eight in that movie, so it's hardly you know. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Anyway, glad <laughs> I am glad to have both of you here. <laughs> Running jokes notwithstanding, but that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about all these movies and more. But before we get to all that, let's get to some show notes real quick. Uh, first up, uh, commentary track. We have a new commentary track. It went up this past week. It is for Mission: Colon Impossible. The first Mission Impossible movie starring Tom Cruise, uh, Scott, Brandon, Allen, and I, we all talked about the original Mission Impossible film. We had a lot of fun doing that, and you can find that right now over at iTunes and Audioboom. So, uh, yeah, be sure to sure to listen to that one before Fallout, or after Fallout. I'm glad it was a hoot. Yeah, you should have been on. I couldn't make it. I had to do something. I had to do something for work. Like, last week, or the week before, Alan asked, when's the next time he's going to be a commentary? He was on right away. You haven't been on a commentary for months. <laughs> I'd say in about uh, two and a half months, I'd say. It's been a Maybe while. Three. It's been a while. Yeah. But no, we'll, <laughs> hopefully we well, can make schedules you know, work aligned. Red light, green light. I've got some gum for you. Yeah, I'll still design you. Don't get any on you. That's what I always say. <laughs> Classic Amelia West of this. <laughs> All that and more can be found on our Mission Impossible commentary. I'll tell you that right now. Let's... I, just, I just want to say very quickly, he has a terrible death in that movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, we t- we actually we try to rank the the most gruesome deaths of the Mission Impossible franchise during that commentary. Track, yeah, so. it's like you know I didn't know that there were spikes at the top of the elevator shaft. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, commentary now up. What else? Speaking of things that are up on iTunes, iTunes reviews ratings. It's good to get those. Uh, if you rate review our show, that'd be awesome. Uh, thank you very much, in advance. I'm trying to I'm trying to make that more succinct since I say the same thing every week. So this yeah. Gets <laughs> Understandable, understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, actually, you guys, both Terrence and Marcus, are a part of our seventh annual summer movie gamble, where we all predicted what we think are going to be the biggest grossing films of the summer. So, might as well bring that up right now because we had two more, uh, two more potentials uh, that opened this weekend: The Equalizer Two and Mamma Mia. Call it here we go again! Exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> and they, they, <laughs> all of that. Uh, they opened pretty well, uh, higher than Skyscraper, which a lot of us predicted would be in the top ten. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah it's Skyscraper 10 or 9 or something like that. But it looks like, I mean, wow. where things are, it's a high chance that Mamma Mia or Equalizer Ooh. could easily uh, at least make the, um, it'll make a lot of Dark Horses come true. I know a lot of Dark Horses have at least Mamma Mia in there. But, oh, that's for sure. But, uh, I question what the American people have been thinking for about two years now. <laughs> well, they've been thinking, when are we going to be able to see the sequels to both the Denzel Washington movie and Meryl Streep's Mamma Mia? That's, <laughs> that's what they've been thinking. They weren't yes. thinking, when are we going to see the rock climb a skyscraper? Only $25 million worth of people were thinking that last weekend. Oh, well, I told you, Kevin Hart. I'm missing Kevin Hart <laughs> doing the voice of the leg. That, <laughs> that's, that's a weird movie. Yeah. No, no, no. That, that's a $100,000 movie. Hundred thousand dollars? Hundred million dollar movie. Hundred million dollar movie. You've just turned into the bad guy from Spud. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the summer gamble is in full swing. I feel like Fallout's probably like the last like big entry that will be. Uh, I'm uh, actually really scared for that Teen Titans Go movie. Like, no, Winnie the it, Pooh is gonna break the. Winnie the Pooh also. Yeah, I forgot about Winnie the Pooh. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's a lot of potential for things that are gonna probably make some money. But we'll, we'll see. The only solace I take is that uh, Teen Titans also opens with Mr. Possible during the same week. So I'm like, oh, maybe they'll just split the difference? I don't know. <laughs> That's but, good counter-programming. It is, yeah, it but, really is, I mean, yeah. it, Teen Titans seems so niche. Like, I'm sure it will make its money, but if it's like, Hotel Transylvania 3, that's a franchise. Like, Incredibles, it's Pixar. Teen Titans, it's like, yeah, right. People on the TV show, they like that. They'll see this. They thing. like the show? Yeah. But we'll who see. knows? Maybe I'm yeah. talking out of my ass. Maybe it'll be like super huge, and, and Scott will be really happy because he yeah, he's, he loves the Teen Titans, and he has it pretty. He has it in his top ten. I think so. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, wow. But anyway, we'll find out. That's some summer gamble catch up. Let's move on now. Uh, what's the next thing on my list? Oh, it's Happy Birthday, Marcus Robinson. What? Yeah, happy birthday. birthday. We're gonna insert some song here. Oh wow. No, 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 no! Just sing, sing some more. Uh, happy birthday to you. There we go. <laughs> there you go. It's copyright in print. No, it's, it's oh, okay. free song now. So you know. I can't quickly add a little emoji. Oh, here we go. There. Much love. Much love oh, to Skype. Oh, he added a heart. How sweet. Oh, thank For the you. listeners at home, you can't see. It's just a heart. <laughs> That's crying out of happiness. <laughs> Yeah, no. Happy birthday, Marcus. Right. Glad Thank glad we were able to book much. you for this show. <laughs> I know. Yeah. What else? Um, you know, we've had this. Um, I haven't mentioned it in a few weeks, like because we're kind of slowly trickling in some entries. But our draw us a dino contest that's been going as well. And uh, a couple submissions. We got some submissions for dinosaurs that people have drawn us in honor of Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. We asked if people can draw us dinosaurs and name them. Any you know drawing, 
cutting together a couple pictures, whatever. The most ramshackle dinosaur you can think of, or if you have a lot of talents, make a really cool dinosaur. But just create as a dinosaur, name it, and submit it on our Facebook page, or on Twitter, or an email at netpocketsgmail.com. Any of those ways. I think like people are kind of catching up with some episodes and realizing, I could draw a dinosaur. And the, the course of the contest is that you win uh, free uh, digital download codes for the Jurassic Park series. So, uh, it's not hard. <laughs> so, there you go. I'll, I'll mention it again in a few weeks, probably, when I determine who will When is the cutoff for that? Well, I kind of let it go, because I feel like people are busy, so they're not always keeping oh, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But I, I just, you know, want to want to tell the listeners, like, you, you have a... Maybe, maybe until the end. Probably gonna, maybe you're probably going to win. Maybe until the end of the summer, at this point. Okay, there you go. <laughs> until the All end right. of the summer. I think that's pretty fair. Give people time. Go. Maybe there, maybe there's someone that has to really create a dinosaur they want to create. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see, that's show notes. Let's move on now. Let's get to know everybody, where each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, we better get to know, know everybody. everybody. That was great. That was great. <laughs> Spot on, baby. That was, Birthday edition. That was, that was wonderful. All right, let's, uh, let's get into this. I have a question for you guys. Okay. Have you ever had to do cold calls? Of course. Yes. Oh. No, Marcus? Oh, no, I haven't. Okay. I don't necessarily need examples, but I'm just curious if you ever had to be in a situation where you had to just like call up people randomly. So apparently, Abe, Terrence, and I have a Marcus suspect. Everybody, everybody I've ever called in my life knew they were getting a call, <laughs> whether they answered or not. Uh, yeah. I like that. You know, you don't want to keep anyone uh, surprised or guessing. Try not to. <laughs> I've got a question for you guys. Sure. Do you guys have a favorite Bart station? Ooh. <laughs> Because I kind of do, <laughs> but it's it's like the ones where you stop and you're like, oh, th- I know that it's going to be kind of like, you know, it's got some nice surroundings around it, and also it's got some nice, like, you know, it's kind of uh, picturesque. That's a fascinating question. <laughs> uh, um, it might not be because it's picturesque, but just because the station that is right next to the Oakland Coliseum, Oracle Arena, and all of that, because it's one yeah. of the few... Stadium, like train stops in the country where you can like just hop off and be at the stadium. So Coliseum station. Yeah. And you can take the uh you get the bus for the airport from right there. They they built like this mini uh light rail system that connects you now. It costs eight dollars. It's it's it crazy it. expensive. <laughs> it used to be three dollars and you take like the airporter, right? Yeah. But then mm-hmm. now it's like take this additional uh, train part for eight dollars. Like this is crazy. But it's actually pretty. It's pretty neat. Pretty cool. So. Yeah, I like uh, Dublin Station because it's relatively. I've never actually been out there. It's relatively new. Um, it's nice. <laughs> it's not too elaborate. Like there's nothing special there, but it does. You know, it's a it's a it's above ground. Um, so yeah. You have to kind of go up some stairs or what have you, and it's just it's it's nice. It's because Dublin's a generally a nice area, so it's a nice looking station. <laughs> uh, I'd have to say the the, the Coliseum. You guys both like Coliseum. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's probably the one that I've been to the most. Yeah. And this this question is hella bay though. It is hella bay. <laughs> it hell is. Hella bay. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Rockridge Station. It's like right in the middle of like some uh, some pretty okay restaurants, and also it's like it's kind of it's it's uh, above ground, but at the same time, like you know, just you can get out there. It's like a nice distance between Oakland and Berkeley, so not bad. I'm just gonna. I think we should just leave it there and just say, if anyone's curious about what Bart is, you uh, do a quick search. B A R T. You'll find out. You'll figure it out. He's talking about uh, Teen Titans being a niche. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, we should we should all get together and record a podcast on Bart. That's what we should yeah. do. That would be super loud. It'd be it's the worst. There's what no it would it wouldn't be fun to be on the station going like, you know, I had opinions about this movie, but I'm gonna let you go first, Abe. Did you think that Lakeith Stanfield put on a good performance? I don't know. I think he had a good job with the movie. Did you think he did a good job with the movie? Yeah, that would be funny. That would be fun. Yeah, just when like you ask, be it noise around us. Yeah, you wiping, ask wiping away the needles. Yeah, and all exactly. of my exactly, you're wiping away the needles. All of my rankings were based on efficiency because <laughs> my number two was going to be MacArthur. <laughs> okay, huge transfer station. Yeah, because you can get all four major trains. Exactly, you right need there. that station for sure. So, so somebody's going to be listening to this has no clue, and they're going to get off on MacArthur. Thinking it's some crazy touristy place. Well, they kind of need to get out there if they're going to transfer. I like the idea that someone's listening to this podcast and didn't shut it off because they're fascinated by what station they should get off at of Mart. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, for the listeners that are still there, all three of you, let's move on. Um, it's time now to get to our poll question. Every week on the podcast, we do have a poll question that relates to the films of question in some week in some way. Um, I have started this amazing thing of not looking at the actual results, so I don't know what it is yet. But this week, I, I went with the quote-unquote urban edition for the poll, uh, where basically I put two movies against each other. You have to vote to save one of them, and the other one gets erased from existence. So all kinds of things can change as far as history is concerned. Um, and so the movies here are Boys in the Hood versus Menace to Society, the John Singleton hmm. film versus the Hughes Brothers film. Before we get to the actual results of this poll, what are you guys? Uh, where are you guys leaning on this question? Gotta, gotta save boys to the hood. Yeah, yeah. Boys I, gotta, in the hood. I gotta save boys in the hood. In the hood all day. I, I mean, I sometimes when I'm just like running around, I just like start thinking about Ricky in my head. I'm just like Ricky. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And without boys in the hood, you would never have baby boy. Or or too fast, <laughs> too furious. Everyone's <laughs> favorite. <laughs> See, that's not encouraging anybody to say. <laughs> No, but <laughs> but what we also talked about during Ant Man, it's like, well, you know, you have like a young, like really good looking Lawrence Fishburne here, which they couldn't really capture in Ant Man. So, you know, <laughs> y- you need that. Yeah, I mean, I I personally I think Menace to Society is the better film of the two. At the same time, mm-hmm. I think Furious Styles, Lawrence Fishburne's character, which is one of the best That's names. A great name. It is a great name. <laughs> I I when people when people ask like what's what's like the best like movie dad. There's a lot of stock answers that I agree with. Like, there's nothing wrong with Atticus Finch. Furious Style is one that immediately comes to mind. I do think Lawrence Fishburne is, a, is he's great in that movie, and I think he's a great movie dad. So it's kind of like... Well, when he calms his son down, and then he goes to the room, and, Le- and Cuba Gooding Jr. is right out the window, it's like, ah, oh, you just feel so bad for him. Mm-hmm. Well, he, got, he has some speechifying that he does pretty well, too, that I really he, like. He's some really deep speechifying. Yeah, really deep speechifying. So, like, like, and, like, Singleton get, like, an Oscar. He got an Oscar nomination for Best Director, the same thing. Men of Society, I feel like, got underrated as far as what it was doing, but... I can see cultural culture being impacted more by Boys in the Hood, The Menace of Society, I guess, even though there's a lot between them. Um, well, you I, wouldn't have gotten Friday, right? Yeah, because I, I, I very much consider putting Friday in here also, which would have been... T- you can't do three. I, but tough. that, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I'm going to click Boys in the Hood. That's where I'm going to lay my vote. Mm-hmm. And the vote is, yeah, 70% to 30%. Uh, Boys wow. in the Hood. Okay. So, you know, I guess everyone something. really, really wanted to see abduction. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. a, a movie where there's no actual abduction taking place. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, why is John Singleton directing this movie? <laughs> the brother's got brother's to eat. <laughs> <That's> yes, <why. laughs> yes. New hotness, Taylor Lautner's in here. I gotta, you know, gotta make him money. 
<laughs> Adding Menace to Society to this list of movies I've never heard from before, never heard of before because they don't exist. So it, yeah, it'll never exist. And now I don't know what this is. I've never heard of the uh, Book of Eli. So that's how that works. All right. Well, cool. Thanks, everybody, that voted in the polls. And be sure to check out the polls. Uh, I put them up every Friday morning. That's when the polls go live. So you have all weekend to kind of vote the polls before we uh, record our episodes. Um, I've established that now. I used to kind of do them randomly. Now I just realized I can just schedule it for Friday morning. It'll be way easier on me. Um, we just get some other questions. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's how you play. No, no everybody. everybody. That was great. I love the staggering. Row, row, row your boat. It's great. It's wonderful. I'm on with it. <laughs> all right. Let's move on. Let's get down to quickies. Yeah. Each one, baby, do I talk about booze with the wikis? I like that you went with the uh, the extra breath there. Trademark. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, <laughs> you just gotta roll with it like that. All right, um, Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I did. I watched Super Troopers two, and if you watch Super Troopers two, you have to have watched Super Troopers one, or else some of the jokes fall really, really flat because they call references to them uh, quite a bit. Actually, it's not a terrible movie, but it's also Definitely one that I think you would probably enjoy if you saw it on super low, inexpensive rental. All right. Are you a fan of Super Troopers? Like the first one? I am a big fan of Super Troopers, the okay. first one. So, as a fan of the first one, were you like, this is satisfying? Or just like, eh, I could have lived without this? Or uh, I think it, I think it's like, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, this is satisfying. This is fine. All right. Good. Um, well, the continued adventures of the uh, the boys in the Northeast. I'm fascinated more by the fact that this movie exists than actually like the quality of the movie, just because it got kick you know Kickstarter and everything. Yeah. It was crowdfunded, and it was, and like it was... A four million dollar crowdfund, and they added their own money. Jay Shaka Shaka Sanjar added his own money. It's like Jay yeah. Chandar Sekar. Sanjar Sekar, my mistake. I, I put the <laughs> reverse that one. But uh, no, like but like they did that, and the movie was. For all that matters, it was a, a hit. Is not a huge one, but like it worked. Like they made the money back and more in the theaters. So, so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, good on the again, uh, the broken lizard guys. Not, yeah, not not ultra. It's not going to blow your mind when you watch it, but uh, it certainly is a is a fun watch if you have some time. If they want a crowdfund we'll club dread too, I mean, I'm down for that. I'm sorry. What was that, Marcus? They continue the meow joke. They do. That's why you need to. I mean, again, they, there's so many callbacks to the first one. That is a classic. Yeah. Well, it's not like directly derivative of like, oh, well, let's just do the same thing over and over again. It is kind of just saying like, remember when we did this? It's like, <laughs> yeah, you kind of would have to have seen the first one to understand what car ramrod <laughs> means. Okay. All right. Let's move to Marcus. Marcus, what uh, movies have you seen recently? Segwaying from that, I saw The Tale, that HBO. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, movie. with the Lord yeah, yes, with Laura Dern. Uh, that is a pretty devastating watch. It, there's a, a lot of abuse in this movie. So if you, it, it's, it's about a, a woman who is remembering the abuse that was suffered when she was very young uh, through a, 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 a short story, this tale that she wrote in when she was 13 years old that she found. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not going to be a movie for everybody. If 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 anybody suffered similar abuse or any kind of a physical abuse, they might not be able to sit through. It's pretty it's it's pretty tough tough watch, I would imagine. Um, but uh, what I want to highlight is that, that the director, uh, I believe she's a first time feature length director. 
uh, Jennifer Fox. It's her autobiography. It's actually it's, it's, it's based Jennifer, off her story. Yeah, it's, it's based yeah. off her story mm-hmm. that she wrote when she was thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but she does a fantastic job visually of of uh, reinforcing that memories are really. They, they they may not always be what you seem. We go through one scene and it's very the the the, uh, the fire the the fire is lit and and the lights are on and people are talking. It's kind of very kind of a more uh, romantic view of what happened. And then the very next scene, the fire isn't lit. It's dim. The lights are off, and it's a very harsh and more realistic view as she begins to read this story mm. um and she realizes that stuff that she's remembering isn't necessarily the stuff that she wrote down at the time and the stuff that actually happened yeah it's it's fantastic that it i believe it was nominated for for an emmy this is the real the reason i watched it but it that that um it's got a kind of a low budget feel but that effect really sold it for me that effect really got me leaning forward in my seat like oh interesting something really important here yeah when you mentioned that that kind of reminds me of two things one of them is stories we tell and then also the other one is um serial the uh the first season where it's like Mm -hmm. i like the the premise that uh the first question that she asked which is do you remember what you what you were doing like on a specific day at a specific time it's like i really do not remember so again memory is 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 uh can be very interesting there's a whole section of the first part of this movie where she sees herself in a certain way and then she sees a picture of herself. She's talking to her mother. She's a picture of herself and it's, it's a whole different girl. It's a more tomboyish looking girl. And then we replay those scenes, but with this tomboyish looking shorter Mm. girl. So she's totally blanked out massive sections of this trauma. Mm. Would you, uh, where would you recommend people see it? Oh, it's I well, it's on it's on HBO. It's on HBO. Yeah, that's the only way. That's the only way to see it. But I got it on demand uh, on HBO on demand. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, that, yeah, that's the tale, which is yeah, currently available on HBO. Uh, Terrence, uh, what, what have you seen recently? Um, I've seen the two movies we're going to discuss today, uh, and since it's Comic Con, I randomly had the TV on HBO and watched. Batman from 1966. Oh, Batman the movie. Huh? <laughs> Batman the movie. Um, it was the first time I had seen Adam West as, as Batman in the movie. Uh, and it was a 1960s version of Batman. <laughs> have, um, you, have you not watched the, the, the TV show? No. Okay, so this is your first oh, wow, exposure really? to this version of Batman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with you know, that it's totally different, much more, you know, slapsticky. Uh, but it was like a fun, it's like a fun movie to watch now. You're like, to see how far that character has come through the ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go back and watch the more innocent, childlike uh, beginnings. Right. Big fan of that red phone, by the way. <laughs> uh, that movie in particular, I'm a big fan of the... Let's make sure we announce all of the villains that are involved. So C is for <laughs> Catwoman, and it was pulling my leg and all of that nonsense. Which is this? <laughs> when he asked, when he got bit by the shark while he was on the ladder dangling from the helicopter, and he was like, "Pass oh me the shark repellent." 
<laughs> really, really funny. Hey, um, Batman's going I mean, to the ocean. That's the kind of thing you prep. You, you know. Yeah, like, that just sounds like disaster preparedness. <laughs> well, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you had a, a favorable reaction to old campy yeah. Batman because I, I am a big fan. Uh, the movie, somewhat, but I like. I'm a fan of the show in general, so it's it's certainly a, it's a take. Um, speaking of which, there's the the two. Um, animated versions of the, that series where they have Adam West and Burt Ward and Julie Newmar are on, on Prime, which I still have not watched, but I'm very, I really much, I very much want to, since it's just an animated version of those stories again. So. Okay. But uh, things I have watched. Um, Equalizer 2. And? The uh, mm. sequel to The Equalizer, a film that I did not like, um, starring Denzel Washington. And the sequel is... Maybe the worst film that Denzel Washington's been in. <laughs> um, I was kind of curious what you were going to say I, there. <laughs> like, I would say, like, I would say that, like, post-glory, for sure, as far as bad, but, like, because it's, like, carbon copy, and, um... But this this is, it? like, before, yeah. Before. Yeah, I'm, so I'm saying, like, before, like, like fame, like, before fame Denzel, yeah, there's some, like, there's some bad ones in there. Um, right. But, like, as far as, like, his mainstream, like, I'm the lead actor kind of roles... This has to be like the like and like I have a certain love for virtuosity. I think there's some it, uh, fun stuff in that movie. I'm, uh-huh. I'm a big fan of Fallen. I have no problem with Fallen. Like even like Two Guns or like some of these forgettable ones like Book of Eli. Book of Eli. Saw, I like Book of Eli. I like. I don't think it's great, but like I don't think it's a bad movie. But it's certainly it's ambitious for one thing. It's trying to do something. This is just yeah. awful. It's just it's <laughs> it's it's it's, it's too long. There's not much story here. Is is anybody redeemable in this movie? Is anyone redeemable? Like Denzel, he's not like he's Denzel Washington. He's not bad as an actor, but the same yeah. like there's a and he has um there's a whole subplot of him and Ashton Sanders who plays uh, Chiron in the um in the middle, middle the middle, middle the middle of yeah. the film. and like it's good as far as Denzel Washington's here, so we all have to step up our game. We can't just phone in our performances. Like everyone's doing their like Pedro Pascal's in this movie, and he like he does the job as far as. I need to read these lines and make them sound convincing, or Denzel's probably going to beat me afterwards because I need to stop my game. Like that's the kind of logic I have. But like as a movie, it's like the the plot is like it's so predictable. It's just like I need to get revenge, and this is why. And it's like two hours of unfolding why this needs to happen, and none of the action's all that interesting. Like the last sequence of this movie is like takes place in a raging storm that should be all kinds of interesting, and it's not. It just falls flat in every sense of the way. It's just there's nothing about this. Like there's nothing about this that I'm like so it's worth celebrating. Where, where would you rate it? Don't you don't see it. That's the, that's, wow. that's my rating. Okay. Like there's no reason wow, to see the this. Lowest. Yeah. Like and I like I'm aware that I don't like Equalizer and there's a lot of people that do like the Equalizer, the first one. I like things about it. I don't hate the first one, but it's like even this this one doesn't even like have the stuff that I think made the first one interesting. Even for Fuqua, like who's a director that I think can like be hit or miss, it's like it just seems like everyone just kind of showed up and did what they needed to, but not much. Like that's just what it mm. feels like. It's just, ugh. just didn't, was not enjoying this. It's the kind of movie where I had like multiple reactions like halfway through. I'm like, do I stay here? Should I go? What else <laughs> oh, could really? I do? What else should I think about? Maybe I, maybe I can take my was phone he, out and like, uh, think about something else. Was he else. an Uber driver for the whole movie? He's yes, <laughs> he plays. See, that's the one. That's one thing that's interesting <laughs> that they could have done more with. Yeah, he's a Lyft driver. So it's like yeah, instead of like he's he's, he's basically like a superhero. This is probably the closest we'll ever see Denzel get to being a superhero, where he has super like spider sense skills, where he can see everything in the room and fight around him in record speed. 
because he needs a stopwatch, even though that makes no difference whatsoever to what he's doing. He just pulls out a stopwatch and just like, oh, I did that. Like, that's it. That's the, that's the, but yeah, he's a Lyft driver, so he doesn't have like a super, you know, a cape or anything. He just drives around a little bit. Could have made him like, uh, Travis Bickle with superpowers. Could have. They could have done anything interesting. The way that you described it with superpowers, like, wow, this is really fringing on like the, the glass territory here. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to why yeah. that seems at least more interesting to me. <laughs> but as far as this movie goes, no, I just, it, okay. was, it was a terrible time it. in the theaters. <laughs> I did not like it. Equalizer did. In theaters now. A cinema score. So what do I know? <laughs> what? Hey, oh, okay. A cinema score. <laughs> so yeah, I know right. nothing. But what do I, I mean, I get it. They love, they love Denzel. People like Denzel. I am not against the idea that people like Denzel. That's fine to me. It's just, we can the judge. Terrible. It's, it's a terrible it. movie. His first sequel. His only sequel. That. That's what it is. So yeah, that's a no quickies. Yeah. <laughs> you think I've been waiting all weekend just to talk about Equalizer 2 on this podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you had a lot of built up there. Like, you were really angry about it. <laughs> I'm just mad that the gap between Boys in the Hood and Men's Society was so large, and that's the real problem. <laughs> yeah, there's a 40% difference there. Yeah. Alright, let's move on. Let's get to trailer talk, uh, where we talk about some of the new trailers of the week. I'll just cut this short. Basically, Comic-Con happened this weekend, guys. Normally, uh, I'm there. I've been there all doing this podcast. I wasn't there this year. Terrence, you've gone to the past as well. You weren't there this weekend, right? Nope. So, um, yeah, not much to report on this time. Usually, you have a special bonus episode to kind of go over Comic-Con and whatnot. But we don't have that. And from what I'm hearing, it wasn't, didn't seem like there was much to really dig into. I'm sure. There's, mm-hmm. yeah. There is one piece of news that came out of Comic-Con. Well, sure. Let's um, go over that. Well, I want to know what that is. For the... Uh, the fans of Voltron Legendary Defender. Yeah, but um, where you're a fan of the series, right? The, the Netflix uh, yes. Voltron series? Uh, but I... Should I spoil this? Because it's kind of a... They saw... They watched the first episode of the next part of this, uh, season seven. Uh-huh. Uh, and so... I'm just going to say it anyway. I don't care. Go for it. Because uh, it made me so happy. Spoilers so, coming for Voltron. There. I said it out loud. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Shiro, uh, who is the leader... Uh, is revealed to be gay on the show. Okay. Uh, which I thought was pretty neat. And so I'm interested to see what they're going to do with that. Was it, Were there hints in the first season? I've never seen this, the, the, the show. but uh, You don't. They're revealing it through flashback that he had a boyfriend prior to going on a mission that sort of kicks off the mythology of, of all of these people meeting each other. Um so that's just an interesting thing to explore story-wise. And, I mean, it's, it's, Voltron is, is being showrun by the same people who did uh, Legend of Korra. Yeah. yeah. So this is definitely in their wheelhouse. Uh, but, yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with, with that. That's, like, the only piece of significant plot news that came out of anything Comic-Con-wise, as far as, as I know. So. All right. Well, yeah, I, I've... Heard various things about the other like big panels that were going on or whatnot, but nothing I really feel like I need to kind of recap. Right. Like, hey, you know, you can you can read that at various sites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's get to some trailers. That, I didn't even know. Yeah, no, yeah, cool news. Yeah, let's uh let's get to some of these trailers that we uh that we, uh, that, we that were revealed for the first time at Comic Con this week, um and just in theaters in general, I'd assume. Uh, let's talk about the first one, which is Glass. This is the upcoming uh, M Night Shyamalan feature, which. Spoilers for certain movies <laughs> um, <laughs> is the culmination of what was going on in both the film Unbreakable from 2000 with Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson and Split 
from just last year um, with uh, James McAvoy on a. Was it really really? just last year? Wow. It was January last, yeah. so it feels like it was long. Okay, ago, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it definitely felt like it was like two, three years ago. But and, oh, wow, um, I saw Terrence. Were you were you at AFI Fest when Split happened? Uh, I was. I didn't get to see it, no. but I loved Split. Okay, see, mm-hmm. I, I see. I saw it like the September before it came out, so it's like it's been for me. It's been a long while since I've seen Split. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it is the the next chapter, which is I guess the kind of trilogy capper that people did not necessarily know going into Split, but yes, this, this is a film that combines the characters from both Split and Unbreakable. Um, so now you have uh, Willis's David Dunn, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's Mr. Glass, and James McAvoy's, I guess, The Horde? <laughs> the Beast? <laughs> Whatever you want. The Kevin? Beast. Kevin? Yeah, Kevin. Let's <laughs> any, Kevin. Any of those names? Um, any of those threatening names? Kevin? Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, from what... I, so what... I guess we'll get into this, but what I like about what's going on here is that it's it's technically a superhero movie, but it's coming from Bloomhouse, uh, Bloomhouse Pictures, um, and I found that I find that kind of interest, uh, kind of fascinating that you can uh, to see what Shyamalan's going to be able to pull off here, where it's not a big budget film, and you'll have to you know he has to kind of work with a level of ingenuity to kind of make these larger than life characters work in a fairly smallish production, comparatively. I mean, I'm, I'm sure this probably has a bigger budget than other Bloomhouse productions, but it certainly doesn't have the budget sure. of other movies we're going to talk about in a second. Right. Um, so with all, with all that in mind, uh, Terrence, I'll start with you. You're a big fan of Split, apparently. Are you, are you a fan of uh, where this is going, what this could be? Um, I'm intrigued. I think M. Night Shyamalan has tentatively won me back over because uh, I really dug Split and James McAvoy was my favorite male acting performance of last year. So I am intrigued. I'm a tad bit confused as to how this plot is going to unfold um but you know i'm i'm here for these characters being brought back i didn't really remember what all samuel l jackson was doing in unbreakable um just plotting nefarious things yeah that's what i figured so i it'll be interesting to have him stirring the pot with these two guys and how that sort of manifests itself so yeah i'm i'm interested to see it marcus how about you are you a fan of the uh the shyamalan's uh superhero yeah, uh, films I, I i i'm a huge fan of unbreakable split was split was good i thought his the mcavoy's performance was excellent um i don't know this usually sometimes you can't it's hard to tell what a movie is going to be like from the trailer if, if you're going to be into it or not and this one i can't really tell this could be a train wreck or it could be something really interesting like you were saying this is a Bloomhouse superhero movie so i'm intrigued but i don't know if i'm more intrigued about the trailer or if i'm more intrigued about everything surrounding it because i'm back on board with m night as well the january release i don't know that's kind of uh, but I don't know when was split out. Was so that was in, January? That was January. Was January. Yeah, yeah, that's I, that's okay. less. Of, that's less. That's not a dumping that's thing. That's more. Of, a, that's more of a. This is a yeah. good. This is a good time frame some, for this to yeah, make some money. Some money. Yeah, right. Right. I, I know it's not going to be Paddington two, but nothing is. Oh, that that's wonderful. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. That, I I understand. I understand. This is this is not a, a dumping ground situation, but I don't know. I, I just can't re- tell anything from the from the from the trailer. Which is kind of intriguing. Darn. Abe, how about you? Uh, I'm a fan of Unbreakable, and I like Split enough. There was like some some plotline 
stuff that I was like, I wonder what this has to do with the movie. And then I guess it maybe got a little bit clearer toward the end. But uh, with with Glass, I dug this trailer. I was I was a big fan of the way that Sarah Polly kind of opens it up in Paulson. the middle of the trailer. Paulson. Yeah, Sarah Polly is the uh, director of uh, Stories We Tell. Um, Sarah Paulson opens it up and then middle of the way, it's just like, oh, here comes Samuel Jackson narrating. Um, I like that they also don't really give you anything to... to uh, it actually makes you think a little bit more because the characters are are seemingly all in this mental institution uh, with her as their as her as their psychiatrist. But I'm curious as to what she's gonna find out, or and whether this is maybe all in their heads. That's the part that that is quite curious. But uh, I, I like the way the trailer was, uh, the way that it looks, and I also like the way that uh, we, we talked about off air, just the way that uh, Mr. Glass uh, identifies himself. My favorite line is probably. Um, it sounds like a, a like the supervillains are teaming up or something like that. So it's like, oh wow, this is. I'm, I'm curious as to where this is going to go. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page with you, Abe. I, I really dug this trailer just because I'm with you as far as I like Unbreakable a lot. I think Split is fine. I do agree, McAvoy is great in it. I had some yeah. issues overall with the sort, but what I like about Split a lot, it's something I, I'm so willing to like Split more after this movie, assuming that I like this movie, that I'm willing to go back and think, oh, okay, I, I see what he was. If it's if it feel if it's more. If more of the stuff he did in Split was intended to f- kind of factor into this movie, I can appreciate the fact that he did it more if that's how it plays out. So it's, if that makes any sense. But regardless... Yeah, I, I was like, I'm, I, I'm kind of lost, but I kind of know what you're talking about. Well, it's the kind of thing where, like, for example, like in the Marvel movies where certain things about Civil War bug me because it kind of did not, it defies what like Hawkeye and Ant-Man were doing, but then you have Ant-Man and the Wasp where it's like, oh, it's in house arrest. Like, it's like, okay, so there was punishments for things that happened to him in that previous movie. Got it. So there's things that bug me about Split that if they get kind of corrected in this movie, I'd be happy to give Split more credit, I guess. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But what I, was, what I do appreciate about Split is that there's a lot of, there's a lot of creativity from Shyamalan as far as the people he's working with, who he's choosing to choose, as far as cinematographers, for music, for what have, like the, he really wanted to kind of do something with the, the resources he had. And misgivings aside, it's a well-made movie. I like a lot of what's going on there. And this looks to be following suit as far as he's not being given anything money to do whatever he wants to. He has kind of, he has what he needs to make this movie. He, but he also has the talent back. Um, he, he's, he's, if he's going to lean more heavily on the idea of making a comic book movie, I like what I'm seeing from Shyamalan's perspective of what that would be like. Regardless of the bad films that he's made, and there are a few that I don't really like very much, he's also, I still think he's a very good director that's capable of doing something very creative and unique in a world that has a lot of things around us that are, you know, somewhat cookie cutter at times. So uh, I, I, I like this trailer. I'm looking forward to what Glass can uh, can bring um, in the kind of final product. Mm-hmm. So uh, that movie opens. Uh, when does it open? January. January. January 18th next year. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Uh, let's get to our next trailer. Uh, the next trailer is for is Godzilla: colon, King of the Monsters. This is the sequel to Gareth Edwards' Godzilla. Um, so it's an American Godzilla film as opposed to a Japanese Godzilla film. Um, it's now directed by Michael Doherty, who previously brought us uh, what Trick or Treat and yeah. um, Krampus. Uh, this film finds Godzilla back, um, who is now facing off against <laughs> Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah. We also have a brand, a mostly brand new cast of characters that includes friend of the show Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Billy Bobby Brown, 
Uh, Bradley Whitford, Sally Hawkins is back, Ken Watanabe's back, and then we're also adding on Thomas Middleditch, Charles Dance, and Zhang Ziyi. <laughs> so, you forgot Ice Cube Jr. I said O'Shea Jackson Jr. Oh, okay, alright. <laughs> so yeah, all these people are here, all these monsters are here. I already know where I stand up Godzilla, I'm going to try very hard not to just get into a big argument about the first Godzilla, just focus on the sequel. <laughs> Terrence, what do you think of the Tristan's trailer? Um... I thought it was a trailer. <laughs> I don't. The best thing about the 2014 Godzilla, I think came out in 2014, is the score and the sound design. Those are spectacular. I was, at least it looks in this movie like we'll be able to see some of the battles between Godzilla and these monsters because they're more attuned to color um, unlike the first one which was like we are going to have two uh, three black monsters fighting in darkness and or orange tinged skies uh, I I don't know why he has to fight three gigantic monsters in one movie so yeah, that's what it was like. <laughs> like when I was like, I was like, oh, so like a moth and like a pterodactyl from a volcano and some three-headed dragon thing. Wow, this is, you know, the all right. I go ahead and try. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm willing to bet that he'll be on the same side of, with at least one of these monsters. Just based off my knowledge of Godzilla movies. They're going to team up together? They have like a secret pact? Yeah. Because isn't the plot of this movie like we need monsters to defeat the monsters? It's like the Pacific Rim movie, but with Godzilla rather than a Jaeger? It's something around the lines of the world balances itself by having one giant monster on the side of destroying things versus another giant monster that wants to keep things cool. That seems like the general... (laughs) global warming. They're fighting global warming. <laughs> well, Marcus, let's get to you. What did you think of the trailer? Um, you know what? Godzilla's never really been my thing. This trailer looked kind of uh, beautiful, actually. I, I That's not the uh, beat word I thought you were going to say. Not the, exactly. That, uh, I, I kind of didn't know what was happening throughout the whole thing. And, you know, but when Mothra came out, I was kind of like, wow, I kind of want to see this movie. Some of these shots look pretty pretty great. And I, I do enjoy the fact that I can see these monsters. Where in the first one, Terrence is right. Yeah. It's kind of dark. Hmm. Abe? I am confused by this trailer. I, I don't think that it's a bad trailer. I think it's just there's a lot of ideas here. You know, like there, you you start out with uh, uh, Millie Bobby Brown kind of talking about, or actually, I, I guess it's his voiceover from uh, Bear uh, Formiga, Bear telling you that the world has gone to hell, kind of thing, and and we really need to unlock the Dragon Balls for uh, them to to save the world, kind of thing. Yeah, there's it's it's cool with the number of animal or mutos. Uh, what, what would you call them, Aaron? I don't know what they're called in this universe. Are they? Are they're they all called mutos. Yeah, so with all the number of Mutos... I would just call them monsters. Monsters. (laughs) Movie's called Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Seems pretty easy. Sure, (laughs) yeah. 
Muto's monsters that are here. It's it's great to see that this cast is like an everybody cast. When when they kept showing the faces, like there's a lot of people in here that have done really good work. Um, and then when when Claire Deleuze starts playing, I was like, what is going on here? Like I'm not sure how to feel about this. Like it's cool. It's cool to have that track playing, but I was like, I guess it's a beautiful destruction of the world. And then uh, you know, there's a lot of reveal. It seems like there's a lot of revealing from Vermeer's character, which I I'm I'm not sure how I feel about just yet. But like what you said, Kyle Chandler is in here, and I love Kyle Chandler, so hopefully he saves the day, just like the way that he saved the day in uh, Super 8. So we'll see. We'll see. Not to get too far into things, so I'll just say, I, regardless of thoughts on the movie, which I'm a big fan of, because of 2014 Godzilla, the best, I think it had a, a fantastic marketing campaign. I don't think I'm very far off in you guys agreeing with me, at least on that. I think the campaign for the Godzilla movie in 2014 was pretty spectacular. That first trailer was great. Um, as far as what it was trying to sell, how it was hiding things versus how it was selling things. I think it did a really good job of at least setting you up for a movie, regardless of your actual response to it. That's why I'm fascinated by what they're going to do with this one, as far as how to top something like that or make it, you know, kind of equal. And, I, yeah, I mean, comparing trailers, I'd say I was certainly, certainly more intrigued to come from selling you a new Godzilla versus the next Godzilla. That said, I do like this trailer. I'm a big Godzilla fan in general. I, I think that that's a big separation right there. I like Godzilla movies. I I like how they do things as far as what they emphasize, the inherent silliness of all of it, but yet how it takes itself seriously anyway. There's a lot of that I really enjoy. And so you're going to give me a new version of that with all of these monsters? I am in. It, like <laughs> trailer, trailer or not, I'm going to be in to see this movie. Mm-hmm. That said, I like this trailer. I do like the kind of juxtaposition of massive destruction with Claire Deloon. I I like seeing <laughs> all of these characters here. I like to think that, um, you know, Warner Brothers and Legendary aren't like, well, nobody complained about characters. I feel like they probably heard those criticisms and at least put a little bit more effort this time around. That said, I don't care about characters in a Godzilla movie. So, you know, do whatever you want to. You put people on there that are talented. I assume they're going to do their job. I'll keep focusing on the monsters. With, <laughs> with Michael Doherty around... I like that there seems to be a bit of a more pulpier tone, just based off this trailer, of course. I mean, there's a whole movie to go. But it seems like it's going to probably embrace the inherent silliness of this a bit more than the, yes, fairly serious Godzilla. Despite the fact there's a lot of comedy in it. Uh, but no, I, I, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, it's a guy, this is the thing I most wanted to see of the new trailers I knew were coming out this weekend. And it didn't disappoint me. Seeing the... The silhouette of King Ghidorah, <laughs> the, just just I was revved up. I was sitting with Anna uh, in the car because I couldn't. I wasn't watching. I was watching. Wait, what? I was watching it on my phone because we like we just got we just gotten somewhere. And like let's watch yeah. this Godzilla trailer because I can't wait. <laughs> and I was just really excited about seeing some of these things realized in a studio blockbuster world as opposed to you know giant suits and costumes and uh, elaborate special effects from from uh, Japan. Which I'm. Those also, are fun movies. <laughs> I know. I'm not. I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying at the same time, if Warner Brothers wants to make a Godzilla movie, I'm very curious what that's going to look like. And so far, I'm in. I'm in. I'm okay. in on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Godzilla King of the Monsters, uh, May 31st, uh, 2019. So next year. Kicking summer off. Mm-hmm. No. That is the, well. <laughs> uh, Mid- middle. The end of the first month. Of no, summer. we got no. The the Avengers colon still finding more Avengers that kicks off summer next year. Oh, can't wait. Warner Brothers is going to have a big year, though. Because as we know, Black Panther and Spider-Man died. I mean, they're not going to be a part of this anymore. They're gone now. No, they're not. No, they're not. (laughs) So they have to find new Avengers. Yeah, they're going to find them in, you know, some sort of mail-order form. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll hold additions (laughs) like in Mystery Men. (laughs) 
or in oh, Gentle so. 2. <laughs> Speaking of comic book movies, let's move on to a couple comic book movies for our next trailers. Uh, first up, we have Shazam! Did you turn into somebody? Hi, guys, it's me, Aaron. I'm talk- <laughs> <laughs> um, Shazam is another DC Comics movie, and I, I was happy to see that it's actually... Well, we'll see how it turns out, but it is connected to... I was curious if it's connected or not to, like, the actual DC universe, and it is. Um, this, the, this is a DC Comics character, Shazam, uh, about a boy who meets a wizard, and he tells him that he can say his name Shazam, and he turns into a kind of larger-than-life uh, superhero-type character. The film stars Zachary Levy as the titular Shazam. Um, you also have uh, Asher Angel, Mark Strong, Jack Dylan Grazer, who I believe is in It, right? He's one of the kids in It. One of the kids, yeah. Yeah. Um, the film's directed by David F. Sandberg, another intriguing choice as far as I'm concerned. He directed both Lights Out and Annabelle Creation, films I like. Right. <laughs> and uh, now he's moved on to a fairly jovial DC film. Um, with all that said, let's start with Abe this time. Abe, what do you think of the Shazam trailer? I, I wasn't knowing, I didn't know what to expect. I kind of didn't even know that Shazam was part of the DC universe. Um, I thought it might have been a Marvel property for whatever reason. This is how good I am with the, the DC guys. <laughs> you but, think it's, be- it's because the character's name in the comics is originally Captain Marvel? That helps. There you go. Yeah, and also, you know, all the stills that I saw, the production still, they, they didn't look as dark as some of the pieces <laughs> I had seen. But when I was watching this trailer, I was like, I was having a good time. I have a good, I had a good time with this trailer, kind of just seeing the the jokes that are in it, kind of just um, this this like larger body, like almost everyone's been comparing it to kind of this big type thing with Tom Hanks, and yeah, I can see that, and I can see where where it gets kind of fun. Um, I am curious where it goes uh, because you know you have to have a Mark Strong seems like the the guy who's trying to steal your powers but uh i'm curious i didn't know who the the wizard was and then i guess i looked up the the the, the credits and i was like oh it's a guy that i really like jaiman hansu yeah, it's jaiman hansu which is yeah, so amazing I, like, I cannot <laughs> wait to see this now so uh, i again I, I had a good time with the trailer probably because i just didn't know what to expect from it but we'll see how the uh, the whole entire movie holds up uh terrence how about you what do you think of the shazam trailer so I really love the character Shazam. Mm-hmm. Um, his appearance in Young Justice, uh, the cartoon TV show, is one of the greatest sort of superhero moments um, that I've seen. I was very concerned when they announced that they were trying to do And I liked the trailer a lot. I liked the tone of it. I liked that they're not shying away from the inherent silliness of the heroes i like that it has a different feel from the rest of the dc universe um much like with the other trailer we would talk about it's nice to see that they realize maybe everything doesn't need to be undersaturated <laughs> you know maybe everything we don't have to have every action piece staged in the rain and the darkness um so that's great i still hate the costume <laughs> <laughs> it just it looks stupid. Well, I, it, I'm curious if you're a fan of the character. What's the preferred version of seeing a live action version of that costume? I just think the costume. So what they're doing is they're trying to match it with like how Ben Affleck looks in his Batman suit and Henry Cavill looks in. Superman yeah, the kind suit, of like, like the kind of mesh realistic. Yeah, but like things. those yeah. feel even though they are really really big. They still feel like they are part of the body of the person. Okay. It just looks like you're saying. Yeah. It okay. just looks like they threw Zachary Levi in a muscle suit. Yeah, yeah. And it makes the costume look really cheap and fake. Uh, 
but he looks like he's having a good time, so maybe I will have a good time when I watch the movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, Marcus, how about you? What do you think of Shazam? Um, you know what? I don't. I really. I I know less than Abe about Shazam. I it, I did get that a, a big vibe from this, and I understand where that suit thing is coming from. It 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 kind of reminded me of Meteor Man for some reason. I don't <laughs> Meteor know. Meteor Man, Robert Townsend's yeah. Meteor Man, like know? kind of like a hokey. I was I didn't really expect this out of the DC universe, but kind of hokey and fun, but low budget and. Kind of medium. It's not like I didn't like Meteor Man. I, I, I like Meteor. You don't need to speak up for Meteor Man as if it's some <laughs> kind of reserved classic. <laughs> Robert Townsend is great, but I, I don't know. It, it just kind of took me by surprise. Mm. This whole thing took me by surprise. But like I said, I don't know anything about Shazam. A uh, little boy turning into a, a big superhero, fully developed man, took me by surprise. And then they played a techno version of Be Humble, which took me by surprise. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of yeah. surprise. A lot of surprise, yeah. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in Shazam, uh, based off this trailer. Like, I'd be, you know, seeing this movie regardless, but at the same time, it's like, all right, this looks entertaining to me. I, I, I certainly did get the big vibe. Uh, and, um, I was pretty separated from any reaction because I watched the trailer way late. And I was like, oh, this is like big and like kick-ass in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. doing this thing. And I like the tone. I do like the kind of... Even before he was Shazam, I like the kind of the, the... Just the kids getting... Like, how they're getting along. How they're establishing who these people are. I was I was into that vibe. And I think that's because I like... I like David F. Sandberg's films. I like Lights Out and Annabelle because I liked how he handled characters within a supernatural world. Um, they're not, you know, the, it's not the, the shining example of, you know, horror movie characters or like cinematic characters, but at the same time for films that have kind of a loose premise as far as evil doll or turn the lights off and there's a monster there much, there's much better things that were done than I expected to make those movies worthwhile. And so it's neat to see him now he's in superhero mode and it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Let's, let's see this. And it's, yeah, it is a nice separation from the other DC films. Um, I, I'm curious to see more. Shazam. Yeah. Shazam. I have a question about the uh, the costume there because I thought the costume was part of the the joke kind of thing where, yeah, we know that Zachary Levi is not that buff, but I, I that's why I was like, oh, I, I didn't even think about the oh, way that listen, looks. Zachary <laughs> Levi has been defending that costume since the first set pick of him in it came out. And everybody is that, was, is that right? <laughs> everybody was like, this looks stupid. Like he posted like a shirtless selfie on Instagram being like, <laughs> hard at work preparing for Shazam and it's like you still don't fill out the costume we know that it's fake (laughs) like and it's not anything that you're doing Zach it just looks silly it looks artificial in a way that the other costumes in the DC universe don't I gotcha yeah I again I thought it was part of the charm of it but no I I, I see what you're saying well I I look forward to seeing if the movie does embrace that in some way even if Zachary Levi seems to not be in on the joke as much (laughs) as the costume Um, I do like that they're like even the kid like laughs at the fact that the name is Shazam like is it such a yeah it's such a wild (laughs) thing to say by the way uh, uh, Terrence I looked up the Instagram of Zachary Levi yeah he's his build still doesn't fill up that costume yeah and it's not like he's not in shape. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, he's definitely bigger than I am. But yeah, no, that costume looks yeah. like it's it's certainly it? a muscle suit. Yeah. 
what does it look like they like let him out of one of those like uh, old timey steam iron lungs and he's like some skinny dude under all that dude or... <laughs> Steve Rogers is huge. He's he's okay. a long he's okay. a he's a long way from season one Chuck, I would assume. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright. Well Shazam hits theaters uh, April fifth next year. So uh, there you go. Let's get, to, let's get to our last trailer before we move on to our, uh, our movie reviews. We have uh, the final, uh, well, the, I guess the first trailer for the DC film that's coming out very soon, which is Aquaman. Um, this is, of course, the Jason Momoa Aquaman solo feature, which is directed by James Wan. Um, it also has a huge cat. It has Amber Heard, Willem Dafoe, Patrick Wilson, D- D- Jaimon Hansu again, uh, <laughs> Nicole Kidman, and uh, Yaha, Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Um, as I said, it's a solo film for Aquaman. We, I guess we're going to get more of his origin story along with what's going on in Atlantis, because that's what I'm always asking in general. What's going on in Atlantis? Um, let's, let's start with... We should start a TV show for that. What's going on in Atlantis? <laughs> Where are my pants? <laughs> let's, let's start with... Let's start with Marcus this time. Marcus, what are your thoughts on Aquaman? Um, you know, I, I really couldn't give a damn about Aquaman. <laughs> I... <laughs> Um, so, so watching this trailer, I, I appreciated that they gave the kid the same luxurious hair as Jason Momoa. <laughs> and, I mean, basically it looks like a DC movie. I, 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 and I'm probably the only defender in this room of, 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 of Batman v Superman. But it does look like what everybody doesn't like about DC movies. It's, looks, it doesn't look like Shazam. And I'm sure it's not supposed to, but it doesn't look like that kind of. To add to your to add to your sentiment to add to your sentiment I will like of the things I complain about with Batman v Superman I do think it's a gorgeous looking movie I think the cinematography is pretty wonderful as much as I resent other aspects of it it's not the fact it's not the matter of I don't I think it's ugly that's not the case it is ugly but that's not (laughs) it there I know there was a lot of people that did think that so but this looks the same as as this looks exactly what I thought Aquaman would look like coming from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, and I was hoping James Wan would give me something different, and hope, and maybe he does. Maybe he will. But I just didn't see it in the trailer. Terrence? Uh, I did not know what I was expecting it to look like. I don't think I was expecting the trailer to look like it did. Um, I have so many questions. Like, how, where are they going to land when they jump out of the plane at the end? Um, <laughs> there is no water <laughs> jumping out into the desert. I want to know. How that works. It, seemed, I, it seemed like Arthur had that same concern. <laughs> yeah, I like Jason Momoa a lot. Um, ever since Game of Thrones. Uh, and I, he was one of my favorite parts of Justice League. So I'm intrigued. I like James Wan as a phenomenal director. So I have faith that they will realize that this movie has to be one of their weirder movies and will let him direct it as such. Um, And yeah, it's got a a lot of good actors. Like Nicole Kidman is probably going to be in that movie for like 10 minutes, but... They got Oscar winner Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I like how the trailer that. starts as like the light between oceans. It's like my, my father was yeah. a lighthouse keeper. <laughs> They're together. <laughs> yeah, so I'm 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 intrigued. It, 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of like Terrence where it was like, I wasn't sure what to expect from this, probably because I, you know, hadn't really been following as long, uh, long as, as uh, closely. Um, but from what I saw, it kind of just looks, uh, yeah, there's a lot of big action set pieces. I, I don't really get the feel of the James Wan typeness yet, so that's why I'm still curious to go see the movie and see. Okay, cool. They let James Wan be James Wan, and we've we've loved him from his uh, his small horror movie days. Um, and you know, there are some specific things that I like about uh, his style. But um, from what I saw in this trailer, it looks expensive, and it looks like there's a lot of set pieces, and it looks like there's a lot of it looks like they're they're going from like world to world too i mean meaning meaning like you know these seems like they're like flying around and trying to solve adventures in places where there's not a whole lot of water and uh but down in atlantis you know that looked kind of cool you know there's some some neat neon colors but uh as i was seeing everyone cheering in the stands there i was like they look a lot like a lot of models there in atlantis so i don't know i guess everyone's just like really good looking down there Derek zoolander's down there <laughs> Is it? All right. Uh, um, sorry, <laughs> that was your end. Okay. It's just it's just the way that the trailer ends on a right. cliffhanger. All right. Uh, no, I um, James Wan is a major factor as to why I'm excited for this movie. I think James Wan's a very talented director. Um, I, I'm not like the biggest fan of the Conjuring movies, but as a director, I've been you know fall and I'm not a big fan of Saw either. But like I've been following him since Saw, and it's neat to see his progression, but also just see him maintain a handle on what he does well as a visual stylist. And I've liked that all the way up to Furious 7, um, where there were a lot of kind of James Wan tricks within a movie that didn't need to necessarily have those things. And I'm expecting that from this as well, as far as it looks like a pretty generic origin story, honestly. But at the same time, because of who's involved with it, I liked, and because I think DC really wants to put a lot on this being a better idea of what to expect from their films from here on, as opposed to frankly, the Snyder days, um, I look forward to seeing what that is. Uh, I, uh, if there is any concern, is if, is it's, it's if Momoa can kind of hold on as the dramatic lead of this movie, essentially, uh, instead of just being kind of on the sides, being super bro, I, it'll be neat to see him <laughs> kind of in the lead role where he has to carry a lot of weight as far as being the guy that's in charge of a kingdom and whatnot, uh, or, you know, battling to be in charge of a kingdom. But I mean, as a this is this looks a lot like a kind of a Thor movie as far as this is going to be weird and like you get like uh, Terrence you said I I hope it embraces the weird I think that'll yeah. the more weird it is I think the better the movie you know can work out so uh, yeah we'll, we'll see where that goes Aquaman arrives in theaters or <laughs> sooner than all these other movies uh, December December twenty first so yeah all right right in time for Christmas yeah. Okay, we've got we've yeah, exactly uh, we've gotten through all of these trailers. Uh, we've talked about all of that. So now let's get into our film reviews uh, with our first review for Sorry to Bother You. Hey, hello, uh, Mr. Davison, Cash is green here. Sorry to bother. Let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice. I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife. Thank this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer. This is Langston from Regal View. As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away. You're doing so good with the voice thing. Holla, 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 holla. Oh, yeah. All right. You're going upstairs, Power Caller. They even have their own elevator. Welcome, Power Caller. I hope you did not masturbate today. We need you sharp and ready to go. 
I'm full trailing, ain't murky yet. Gonna hit you, poppin' like Percocet. Got picked up, banger ain't surface yet. Two steppin' like the ball, this person check. I got promoted. I'm a power caller. What do they sell? They're not selling it, but we sell it. No, well, there's no amount of money that'll make me do that. Here's the starting salary. Well, man, I'm gonna have to get me some new suits. Do whatever I wear, no, I'm here to be clear. It is morally emaciated. I can't ride with you. I'm doing something I'm really good at. Cash. I'm gonna make you a proposal. I can see that you want to say no, but I wouldn't do that before you see what I'm offering you. You are awesome. That should have been some of the trailer for Sorry to Bother You. This film comes from director Boots Riley, the frontman for the political rap group known as The Coop. It tells the story of Cassius Green, played by Keith Sandfield, an average black man living in Oakland, who has financial issues given that he's living with his girlfriend in his uncle's garage. Uh, Cash takes a job at a telemarketing company where he quickly finds a natural calling once discovering how effective it is to use his white voice to make sales. As Cash is promoted, the nature of the job starts a protest among other workers. There's also the matter of the type of thing Cash is actually selling to people, among other plot lines taking place in the story. Uh, mm-hmm. Terrence, let's, let's start with you. What did you, what did you of think of, uh, of Sorry to Bother You? <laughs> um, I thought that it is two-thirds of a weird but really interesting movie. And one third <laughs> of a extremely weird. I didn't really ask for this type of movie. <laughs> um, I think that Boots Riley is very talented as a director. I think that the cast is great. I just think that it, I, I compared it a lot to Inception in that like you have movies that end up becoming about one thing when they're really about so much more but because the director or the screenwriter wanted it to go in a particular direction you focus on the one thing so inception where like did the top fall right that's all the conversation that is surrounding inception these days not how good of a movie it was it's like did the top fall here i won't reveal what it is but it's like that thing dominated like the whole rest of the movie for me and the editing pace slowed down mm-hmm. the movie dropped like a couple of arcs that were building they kind of just throw to the wayside because they have to accommodate this really weird thing that is happening in the third act and i was just like oh okay like that's just less interesting it was a way to avoid the story being like a cliche but in doing that it it sort of hampered the movie for me okay uh marcus what'd you think of sorry to bother you um i'm kind of yeah i'm on i'm on i'm on the same uh i think i'm on the same i'm on board with that uh for well for me i think i liked a little bit more uh i thought this was like a Terry Gilliam, if, if, if Gilliam grew up in Oakland, this is like a Terry Gilliam movie. Um, I think it works. Most of it works in the same way that Brazil or maybe like Atlanta does. It, it has a lot of the the big satir- satirical ideas work extremely well in the first, like Terrence said, two-thirds of this movie. I think it kind of falls apart for me uh, when it goes for – a few times it went for an easy joke right after giving me five or six gems profound one-liners um and not to give away any spoilers um 
some of the more interesting characters and plot lines just evaporate as the story, uh, the movie moves into this back half. Um, and I get where Terrence is coming from. Unfortunately, that that back half plays out like a a Family Guy episode, but like a more later year Family Guy episode. <laughs> uh, that said. I think there's enough brilliant jabs at society that made me forgive a lot of that. And there is something that I wanted to bring up later between in, 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 in uh, blind spotting. There's an N-word sequence in this and there's an N-word sequence in blind spotting that I think really blew me away in both films for two different reasons. But I'll talk about that in the Yeah, I, I agree on that. But sequence. that one, that blew me yeah. away. It was just unfortunate, right? That all that stuff that you're talking about, Terrence was right after that like it's right immediately yeah. after that and then, and then it just took over and i was like what am i what am i watching i just forgave it because there was such great stuff in mm. that first two thirds abe uh as i'm watching this movie and it's going through i just am continually struck by how good lakeith sanfield is is and has become uh you know we we saw him way back when in like short term 12 um and yeah he's just like a phenomenal actor i like the way that this movie is structured around uh the bay area too i I like seeing the scenes and i like seeing and knowing where where that gas station exactly is um and where that bar station is running uh that's great to see Uh, i think the story is as i was watching it I became like increasingly it, it, the way that I describe people when I watch office space is that, Oh, at, I loved it in college. And then I started working in a bank and I just couldn't watch office space anymore. Cause it was just too real. Um, <laughs> like that's an honest description of how corporate life is. So like you just, it, your soul is just sucked out of you. So as I was watching this, I'm now in the sector in which this movie is talking about. Um, you sell and, slavery. No, I work in tech. And so when I'm watching this movie, I'm just like, this is exactly the gentrification that's going on. The the type of like the lameness that you have to do with regard to like the worry free corporation. I'm like, yeah, you know, like this guy is like doing all this like weird stuff. But at the same time, like, let's praise him for being like the coolest, most innovative guy in the world. Like, this is like ridiculous. Um, But again, the undertones in which the two thirds of the movie is going for. I love that stuff. I mean, it was really like. It's very fascinating to see, like the the arguments that Lakeith has with Tessa Thompson, and then you kind of see Tessa Thompson doing a uh, 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 her art show later with like a weird accent too, and you're just like, oh, you know, everyone has to do it, I guess, at some point. But um, yeah, I, there was a lot of really sad truths in this movie, um, kind of just more from like an industry perspective of of uh, of the work here in the Bay Area. Um, blind spotting we'll get to but uh, i think that there's like some harder truths just in terms of society in that one um but for this one yeah it's it's really fun and kind of kind of like uh really sad at the same time and then the the third act kicks in and sure it's it's a little bit strange and and maybe like off the walls but i think that uh there was a point where i was just like okay i just have to go with this and i think you it's it's i don't know if it's as divisive as that but i certainly was on the on the boat of like, you know, I've seen this entire movie where it's like Spike Jones related slash Carly, Charlie Kaufman type related stuff. Like, you know, visually it's stunning. Um, so I, yeah, if I go with it, then I'm, I'm going to have a good time. So, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Wor- 
Do you think this would work better on paper? This sounded like a better idea. I'm just talking about this bad. No, guy. I don't think it sounds better on paper. <laughs> I think I think it does. I think it's when like you're describing this movie, Marcus, to like a pitch meeting. Like right. I don't know if that really works. Yeah, I think I, it, I, think I can't it imagine. Looks, I think it looks and plays out way more awkwardly than it would on paper. In paper, I could see a lot of people in a room laughing at this idea, but whenever I have to sit through it, it seems. It played out to me a little bit more awkward, like, oh, this is lasting a little bit too long. I, I can see that, and I'm sure we'll get to it in a second. Uh, but yeah, for me, I, I liked the movie. It, it did have some, again, some professional work truths in it that I that I felt super cringeworthy. The, the best example <laughs> is when they give that woman who throws a can a, a show of her own. I was like, this is exactly what happens <laughs> in this media right now. Like, it's, you just saw it happen with like the woman who was recording that the the two couples around the, the couple in the plane. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is the like an egregious like uh, like I, uh, perversion of society to see on the screen. So it was interesting to see some of these things on the screen. I'm um, with you, Abe. Actually, I and I'm actually <laughs> I'm happy that <laughs> you were able to accept where things go. I was very curious what your thoughts were going to be when we talked about this movie. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we've we've piqued the audience's interest as far that haven't seen this movie as far as what we're talking about that takes place in the final third Can't versus what it. happens. Yeah, <laughs> you, we're not. We're not. You literally won't right. guess what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's certainly the most unlikely thing, and it's. I mean, Terrence, you made an amazing point as far as that is what the focus of the conversation seems to be going around now, because, yeah, that's kind of the thing to debate, because I don't think any of us are really saying that the first two thirds are bad. I think we all appreciate what it's doing in various ways. I think there's a lot of interesting things going on as far as the performances go. I think visually, Boots Riley, I think throughout the movie, visually, it's fairly interesting, but Boots Riley coming on to his first movie certainly shows a lot of assuredness that I'm a a fan of. I'm looking forward to see what he can do next when he has more of a a read on what he wants to do with more experience behind his belt. I think he's a, a, a promising talent for sure. Um, and like I said, you a great cast here. People are doing a lot of good work, uh, particularly Keith Stanfield is doing a good job. I, I think we'll talk about this too, but I think Army Hammer gets a lot of good lines in, in a realm where he doesn't need to be here being this funny, but I kind of was very happy with how funny I found, I found him to be. Um, from a satirical angle, I also agree with you. I think there's a lot of just, yes, there's, there's a lot of truths behind what's happening that are, you know, play to a, a comedic degree. Uh, if there's, if there's an issue I had, it's not the, at all, the kind of jarring shift that things take in the, in the final third, where the movie goes from being a Gilliam Gondry type film to becoming this Cronenbergian nightmare. <laughs> um, it's in the way it addresses kind of, or a way, I think Boots Riley is a very angry person is when it comes to things that are going on in the world. And I think that's being explored a lot in this film. And I wish it did that more, I guess. I wish it was, I mean, there's Marcus, you mentioned the N word scene already. And that's, that's an exact area. I'm like, this is, this is a perfect example of things that are wrong sometimes, or what kind of frustration a black man can have built up inside of him and how he has to handle it in order to appease people. And I wish there was more of that in this movie, or at least handled in a way that I felt really reflected a certain tone that would clash, I guess, with the comedic and lighthearted nature of a lot of this movie, but would still play into the exact messages he's trying to get across. Um, I think that, I think, I guess he's trying to double down on that by having the end of the, you know, the thing that happens in this movie. It's just, it's such a outlandish type of scenario where it's, there's a lot of complicated feelings, I think, as far as what I'm supposed to take away from the things that happens um, right. towards the end of this movie. And I'm laughing at it because 
there's inherently going to be humor with what that thing is, but it's also incredibly dark and weirdly appropriate as far as, well, what kind of evil thing would this person dream up? And it's like, well, yeah, that's a pretty big example of what you can, what you can do in this and right. kind of take it to yeah. its full extreme for a movie of this nature. I just, to, to riff on that, I, mm-hmm. I just felt like it didn't curl all the way over, um, particularly in the editing of the very, very end. Yeah, I, like, I, yeah I don't like the kind you, of gotcha it does. Yeah, like you get like a, tit- a moment and then you get a title card. And I was like, oh, if the movie had just ended on that moment, that would be really good. But then you get like not a mid-credit scene, like a right after right. they have announced the title card. And then you get something that ties back into what a character wanted to have happen but like not really and it just threw me for a, it left like a really awkward taste for for the movie um i could see that like i it didn't affect me as much as far as my reading on the rest of everything but it's certainly my highlight of this film is certainly not the kind of after everything's wrapped up in a way that feels pretty bow-tied, it's like, and now let's throw this at you, and then throw this at you. It's kind of a one-two punch that just doesn't yeah. sit well. Is Right. Yeah. Honestly, that 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 scene, I, I totally agree 100% uh, with it was kind of odd. Uh, but that scene got the biggest reaction out of the crowd. Uh, I think it brought the crowd back into it. Uh, that last little thing, people were kind of cheering. And I was kind of done with the movie. Well, this guy, I can, I <laughs> can, I can see that, especially given whatever demographic might well, be I mean, like, here. But I mean, I, I think they are rooting for the Keith Sanfield's character too, so that's why I can see the cheering. But at the same time, right. like, I know what you mean, Marcus. Because yeah. yeah, like what you guys have all mentioned, you know, the the third act is not one that you could probably see coming. So it certainly is one of those like, again, you're either with it or you're not. And if you're not with it, you know, it's no fault of yours because it does come like really out of left field, like literally out of left field kind of thing. I want to, I want to, I mean, because we can, we can focus the bulk of this on this, or we can focus on, you know, the movie oh, no, as a whole, yeah. and I do, I do want to make sure that we address the rest yeah, of, of course. the like, film. We, we should talk about the, the, the other two-thirds that we really, really enjoyed. Well, I, I wanted to bring up the, uh... Compliment the battle? <laughs> the compliment battle? I hope you have a good oh, day. There's a lot of, there's a lot of yeah. great one-liners in this that are just fantastic. When they say, oh, it's like apples to oranges, and it's... He says, no, it's like apples to the Holocaust. Those are lines that I was just like, whoa, Boots Riley, thank you. I need a moment to absorb yeah. that line because you, you that's fantastic. I, I'm, I'm into what you're saying right now. Um, there's the whole aspect of the, what was it, uh, worry-free work. No matter how many times they, they reiterated this, it was like this kind of, uh, that's what was real Gilliam about it, this kind of silly thing, but it was really daunting, and it people were just feeding themselves into this kind of death machine, basically. Mm-hmm. Prison. Yeah, that's certainly, um, the, thought, that's the Brazil vibe all the way through right there. Yeah. Like, it's easy to see, like, the kind of clear references. He's like, I mean, like, the video that Army Hammer yeah, shows with Keith Sanfield. It's dinner in a cell with six of your friends. There's the other video, the uh, stop animation video. The, the, the cre- animation thing? The, the, yeah. cre- the credit yeah. is to, like, my, is like Michael Dondry. Like, it's a very, it's a very right. clear reference to Michelle Gondry. So it's like, he certainly has his influences that he's, he's putting right out there. And just, right. like, the nature of the, um, 
like the office when he starts using the white voice and calling in the way it just shoves his desk into like people's homes. That's such a I love that. I, yeah, I it's love it it's not like necessarily the first time I've seen something like that, but it's a really clever way to just be like, let me let me very vi- let me visually show you what it is to be to like cold call somebody where you're yeah. just like entering into their lives and it's awkward for both of you. Those those remind me a lot of the Spike Jones type stuff where it's just yeah, like, for sure. hey, you know, here's like some some cool visual that you know you have really th- uh, haven't really seen before, but at the same time, like it fits and it so. makes and it makes sense. It doesn't. It's not like the film needs to go out of its way to explain what that is. You get yeah. it, like in that, and that takes a lot. That takes a lot of cleverness on a director's part to make sure the audience understands what he's trying to throw out there. Yeah. I want to ask you guys about um, additional side characters that you guys might have enjoyed that um, were on the screen. You know, you have people like Mister Blank, um, Omari who Hardwick, kind of, yeah, Omari Hardwick, who has like seemingly. Uh, he knows the the he knows like the way now. Or you have like Stephen Yoon, who like kind of plays like this this you know guy who's like trying to start a revolution kind of thing. Um, or even like uh, folks like Kate Burland, who <laughs> I've seen people like who have come in into workplace with so much energy, but they don't they don't know what they're talking about. So I love when uh when uh who is it um, Jermaine Fowler's like, so we're we gonna get paid more. It's like maybe. So it's like, it's just no, Lakeith, of... Lakeith, Lakeith asked that because then Stephen Yoon's yeah. like, that was a great question you asked. That was a great question, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I thought yeah. that Omari Hardwick got a full arc in the time that he was on screen. Yeah. Um, in which I really appreciated. Stephen Yoon was great. And then he, that, I could not believe that they dropped. They just... Right did not want to bring up something that that character did um, near the end of the movie. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that, okay. Uh, but no, he was great. He I made liked, his move. <laughs> I liked the guy who played the best friend. That compliment battle scene was <laughs> yeah. just everything. Jer- yeah, Jermaine, Jermaine Fowler. Jermaine Fowler. Yeah. Jermaine yeah. I mean, every, everybody in the supporting cast really held their own i think it's a very well act everybody knew what movie they were in yeah which is sometimes yeah i know everybody does not <laughs> yeah for, um, for especially for a very specific tone this thing's going for it, is, yeah. it does feel i mean i hate lived in i mean it feels like these are people that live in oakland that are doing this kind of work or what like even danny glover yeah. feels like, and who's you know i don't tend to think of danny glover as one that's you know, go into different places with his performances. He tends to be, you know, Stanley Glover. But here, it seems, he seems like he's turned on in a way that I haven't seen him in at least a while, where he's saying motherfucker, like, every ten seconds, and, like, acting like <laughs> yeah. this older-than-old, like, kind of wisdom device giver, but, like, also on the side of these, um... He's not... He, he's happy to go along with the, the unionizing as opposed to just staying as fit. Like, it's it was neat. I, I, I enjoyed that. I like how they self-referenced Norma Ray, but also at the same time, like, they're just, um, the thing that I really enjoyed about it was, again, the complexity of Licky Sampo's character of just like, hey, you know, I really don't want to sell that kind of thing. But at the same time, like, it's really provided me a life that I guess I could have. But I definitely agree with Terrence, like, Amari Hardwick's character, like, I gets a full arc, because at a certain point, I didn't expect him, I was like, oh, I'm never going to hear his real voice. And at one point, you're just like, yeah, see, he, he's he's seen all the shit, man. Like, he knows what's going on here. He's probably he's probably he's he was my favorite character. I think mm-hmm. he's the mm. tragic the tragic character that that has seen everything uh, that Lakeith's gonna gonna see. Well, I, I mean, been there, he's done that, and he's 
the, the, the highlight sequence for me as far as what this movie's trying to communicate um, is that party sequence before we get to the turn. Sure. As far as yeah. having Lakeith, be, having Cash be here along with Mr. Blank, and Mr. Blank's been here a lot longer, and he acts a certain way around uh, Army Hammer, while Cash is new to this, and he's finding his way through this, and you just uh, watching the reactions that Blank is having to Cash being involved in this and where that goes. Yeah, uh, I thought yes. I found that very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it leads up to the, the, yeah the big N word moments that happens right yeah later. and like again we get we'll talk about we'll, I guess a little bit more the appropriation of black culture in in uh, line spotting yeah, line spotting well, but um, there's so much in this too that was just like yeah man this is like not okay guys like this is why you hipsters can't do this shit you know what I mean like this is ridiculous and then you know now it plays into people uh, how they perceive themselves so now they gotta act the fool all the time so am like, I this is. Now, d- terrible. D- despite how terrible people are, that some people are in this movie. Am I alone in thinking Army Hammer was pretty funny in what he was doing? Right. No, I he, thought it was fine. He was. He was he like was. the evolution of the Winkle vibe. <laughs> <laughs> he, he took his money from Facebook and just made this company. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, I thought it was fine. I didn't. I didn't think of him as like extraordinary in his performance. I would say it's like, like give this guy an Oscar, but at the same time, it's like hey, he's, he's making it up. <laughs> Yeah, I know. He's got some funny lines, and he's got some funny delivery. Ter- and... Terrence, what were you saying? Sorry. I mean, he, he basically comes in with a an energy and and stays with it. The whole, you know, the energy being cocaine. Because um, <laughs> that character is literally snorting, you know. <laughs> feet, two feet worth of cocaine when you first meet him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I liked, I liked his performance. He, I think he had had the right amount of of menace but like menace from a person who doesn't really think that they are evil and menacing people so like the conversation that he has with uh, Lakeith Sanfield's character is like he's just like oh like we're just talking and Lakeith is like get me out of here yeah yeah it's like no no sit down watch the whole movie it's the kind it's the kind of thing that it's the kind of thing I find angering in reality that I can find entertaining here, where the movie gets what it's doing with him, where he's so used to being a certain way that presenting certain things doesn't phase him, nor should it, because he's been like this so long. And you have other characters interacting with him. I like that it holds him back, too. He's not in the movie until, until like, much later. So it's like, it's not like I've had a constant presence of Army Hammer around as, as Steve Lift. So by the time we get to him, it's like, Yep, this is the latest ridiculous thing in the movie that's already presented me so many ridiculous things involving yeah. Keith Stanfield kind of rising up in this in this uh, business. So it's like, yep, this is what the top looks like. Total insanity. Right. And they don't even know they're insane. <laughs> like that's, that's where yeah, it is. Yeah, that, that's really what it is. And, it, and the other part that I found, again, a little bit more true to life was um, when something is revealed to the news media and they're like, by the way, the stock prices has risen so much for this free company. I was like, this is exactly what happens with, with like Tesla or something like that. You know, like, oh, Elon Musk tried to like save those boys. And it's the, like, oh, the, well, let's, like, buy more Tesla stocks. Like, or the, what's going or, on here? Yeah, or the more frightening thing, where it's, this horrible thing has been revealed, and because, and, like, Stephen Yoon, I think, has this line, it's like, you presented people with something that's crazy, and they the only thing they can do is adapt to it, because there's no answer. Like, and that's like, <laughs> yep, that sounds like life right now, sure. <laughs> it's it's such a horrible thing, but there's no immediate answer, so we just gotta go with it. <laughs> like, yeah. And then I guess the last thing I'll mention is like uh, I've certainly had those experiences in bars and clubs where you're like, oh, what's that thing in the back there? Oh, it's the secret back room, and you go back there and it's just like terrible. And then you come back out and you're like, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 
drinks in your face, you know, too crowded. And then you're just like, yeah, no, it was a good time. Yeah, definitely go to that speakeasy in New York. <laughs> um, yeah, I want us to move on because I know there's more we could. I feel like there's another podcast down the road where like one more black movie in Oakland comes out and we can have like a more spoilery discussion <laughs> about certain things. <laughs> but like between this and Blind Spotting and I guess Black Panther by default, like we have a, quite a few this year. So yeah. it's, it's been pretty Black Panther giving us Oakland via Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. I was like, I don't know what that building is, but that's certainly not Oakland. Yeah, Kugler yeah. knows what he's doing. He made the monuments yeah. look like what they, or the buildings look like what they need to look like. <laughs> Alright, but yeah, that's, so, well, sorry to bother you, when should people go and see this movie? You know, I'd say that it's it's worthy enough uh, from, like, an artistic standpoint to go see it in a dollar theater. You know, you should help, help it out. Um, I think, I think, I think you should go see it. I, I think it's it, matinee if you can get in. Um, I think it's worth worthy of that. Two thirds is kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's that back half that I really like, but you might love it. Who knows? I'm gonna recommend seeing it when it's on DVD, but with like a group of friends and like some alcohol, mm. like a nice beverage to go along with a crazy movie that you're gonna watch. I think it's. It's good scene in a crowd, like for specific scenes that I'm thinking of were really great to see in like a crowd, but I don't need to know if you need to see it in the theater. I I am a big fan of this film. I look forward to what Boots Riley is going to do in the future with his debut film. There's a lot here that I think is quite ambitious and worthwhile. I would say see it in the theater just because it's an original voice um, coming in a way that's unlike things you have seen. And enter- and quite entertaining. Like I was, even when it gets bizarre, I was never not entertained by what was going on, and didn't want to see what was coming next. So, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to our next film, uh, which is Blind Spotting. What is this? Oh, oh, oh this. hey, hey! I, I would like to get out. Look at this. I'm better one in the glove, though. Yeah. yeah. I ain't trying to go back to jail. Two hundred dollars. Let me Collins. out. Not Collins' gun. Very nice. Oh, I just got an Uber pickup. <laughs> you got it. Is this an Uber? Hell yeah. Tell him, slow down. No, you can't catch me. I'm on too fast on the gas. Don't chase me. Put him up like this. You got him. I'm a tough guy. I'm a tough guy. Do me a favor. I got three days left on this probation. When you got that gun on you, just don't tell me about it. Plausible deniability. Oh, do you mean this gun? Get out. <laughs> This is my best friend. He's gonna put you back in jail, or he's gonna get you killed. Don't make me write you up for your last week. The judge will extend your time here a year. That is the life we live in, and if it's since the beginning, and you know we stuck in that soil, loyal. Don't be who you is. 
That should have been some of the trailer for Blind Spotting. This film focuses on two friends, Colin and Miles. Colin just got out of jail, and a majority of the film is focused on his final few days of probation. The story is set in modern-day Oakland, and much of the focus is on how these two have grown up seeing their city change. At the same time, the issue of how race and class plays a role in these two surviving on a daily basis is also addressed in a variety of ways. The story was developed and written by stars David Diggs and Raphael Casal over the course of nine years based off of their own hometown. Let's start with Marcus. What did you think of Blind Spotting? I I think that it's a modern day Boys in the Hood. Also, I didn't think I could love this movie anymore. And then when that white guy got called Topher Grace, I was <laughs> that was it for me. I was all in this movie. I think everything about this movie works. I think from the big ideas to where they uh, about gentrification, cultural appropriation, profiling, police shootings. Um, that the idea that if you're a black or brown felon, you're felon for life. That's that's what you are. Um, to the smaller touches, to the, the, when we see a, a, a woman reading a pamphlet that that where the title is uh, "How to Talk to Your Kids About Police." Um, to the fact that these two men that are two characters here are are hate transplants they hate these people that are coming in moving in to their to their city yet their job is basically movers to move these people into the city i i think it works on a on a crazy high level um and i haven't even gotten to the spoken word part of this i would even say this is kind of like a like a like a musical without the music but instead of the music there's spoken slam poetry in there mm -hmm. um what else <laughs> the the direction's fantastic i think there's a lot of it's a lot to keep up with these the, the writing of this and the and the the the, the, the these two characters uh, uh these two actors which do, they do a fantastic job but the director does it very well he makes it kind of look effortless he gives me i'm feeling myself within five minutes of me watching this um, yes which is great <laughs> and he has the pulse on the finger of the east bay you know also i wanted to touch on the fact that this has an n-word scene which in 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 boots riley the n-word scene uh, we we didn't we kind of talked on it. It was, I think, it was more about cultural appropriation. And once I say it, then everybody can say it. And now let the appropriation begin. Mm -hmm. This one, this N-word scene, which which I'm always interested to see how new new uh, writer director writers uh, see that see this word in current culture. And this N-word scene really made it almost into a definition of like a, a, a kind of boogeyman, uh, 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 something that wasn't necessarily real, but people had fears, er, these irrational fears of this boogeyman character to the point where they're willing to, they're, they're willing to justify ridding the area, shootings uh, by any means necessary, kind of ridding, ridding their local area of these boogeyman characters. And as a black slash brown man this was worth the price of admission this this kind of realization was worth the price of admission to both movies but this one really got me terrence what are your thoughts on blind spotting 
Um, this is the second best movie I've seen this year. Uh, I, even the stuff that was super on the nose, and there was some stuff that I was just like, are y'all really doing this right now? <laughs> um, I still was like, but it fits within the narrative, it fits in the type of tone and the way you've constructed it. Um, I thought that it really works on a thematic level. Uh, it keeps sort of revealing itself, even even in like the comedic moments of when you find out what the character did, like the horribleness, like it's funny because of the guy telling it, but it's awful because you're finding out what happened. Mm -hmm. um, and it manages to tie together so effortlessly. I think David Diggs and Raphael Cassell, like they just, they were trying to blow each other off the screen acting wise. And I was here for it. I could have yeah. watched another 20, 30 minutes of them having fun or cussing each other out or dealing with the stuff that their characters were dealing with. I thought that it was re it was so grounded in, in character and so grounded in, you know, Oakland in, in a way. Like, Sorry to Bother You is like alternate universe Oakland. Uh -huh. Blind spotting is like what Oakland is like right now. Uh, and using the city as a character as well. Um, particularly when you find out that David Diggs' character can't go anywhere while he's on probation. Mm -hmm. Sort of hems him in to an area that is his own, but also is like a prison for him in the moment because he cannot escape uh, what he's going through. And I thought that it was a really fascinating look at like the PTSD that black people <laughs> have um, in like differing in really interesting ways. So yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Hey. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie a lot too. And I know that we just talked about Sorry to Bother You. And I agree with Terrence that it, um, Sorry to Bother You has elements of Oakland, but it also is like, yeah, off the wall, kind of open Oakland. Um, and this one is true Oakland. This is like, you definitely see them a lot in West Oakland, like what Marcus said when the when the credits are done and, you know, Mac Dre feeling myself starts to play. And I was just like, this is it. Um, <laughs> but as you go through the movie and you're progressing through, yeah, there's a lot of themes that, again, are still really. Like they were prevalent in Sorry to Bother You, and they're much more like straight, serious here, which is the gentrification of Oakland. You know what happens when all these transplants come in, and then everything kind of like starts getting different, as well as like um, the the lifestyle and also like the property and the area, the feeling that you get. You know, you see it a lot with uh, San Francisco right now, but it's, Oakland's like it's starting to get there as well in terms of the same levels of uh, gentrification, but. Um, as you're going through, man, yeah, I definitely agree with Terrence that Rafael Casal and David Diggs, these dudes are just, like, they're really, really good at, like, one-upping each other in this movie. And the way that they seemingly do it is that both of those characters get their own arcs. Um, so that's well done, you know, well done by, by uh, they also wrote the script. So good job by those guys by thinking it through. Um, there are moments of great tension in here, and there's moments of great, like, I can think of two that that really, like, made me super nervous. Um, and then there's moments of great, like, levity. There's a lot of great jokes in here, a lot of, like, barrier jokes. But at the same time, like, you can definitely feel the friendship coming off the screen. 
Um, like when he's trying to sell that sailboat, I was like, I know exactly <laughs> what he's talking about. Like these are the words that my friends use and I use from time to time. The so weirdest like, part is that he says, I don't know what I was saying. It's like, I knew what you were saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. When he's like, you know, hook it up with a jig. And I was like, yeah, give him the lowdown. <laughs> so, but, um, but with all that being said though, there's just a lot of, like what I mentioned before, there's like harder truths here. And the harder truths are just, again, the way that the, the area has changed and the way how I like it's it's, you know, scary to be a person of color uh, in West Oakland um, or like in Oakland in general. And they, they prefer they they see they seemingly shoot a lot in West Oakland, like the bar station and also like when they're turning the, the trucks and whatever else. But, um, yeah, this movie is definitely one of my favorite movies of the year it's like one of the best movies of the year for sure so um everything that they're talking about in here everything the way that it's like stylized and and maybe even hyper stylized at some points um is really really well done i actually really like the way that they kind of like did like this vertical vertigo type uh, shot when he's running through the cemetery but um uh-huh. there's a lot of greatness in this movie and it definitely bleeds off the page so uh, kudos to Raphael and david for really, really putting a lot of heart in, into the script and into this movie. I will uh, note that the director is uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada, just to bring some recognition to him as well, because yes, the direction, um, along with the script, um, I think really work in the film's favor, along with everything else, because I completely agree with you guys. This is easily one of my favorite films of the year. So far, my top ten list is going to have a lot of black movies on it. I know not, <laughs> there's no problem with that whatsoever because, hey, they're making oh, some great movies, guys. <laughs> like this, yeah. this is, <laughs> I'm happy to see where things have gone right now. I think this movie is fantastic, uh, top to bottom. I was very curious if you guys, specifically Abe, since I, you know, Abe and I talk every week, I don't always plan every podcast, but what you guys were going to think about kind of the, the handling of tone because I do think it kind of shifts between being you know very funny at times to incredibly dramatic or very frightening in, in a kind of suspenseful sort of way given things that take place and i mean i'm glad you guys really liked it because i liked it as well i didn't find there to be this issue i found it to just play very authentically as far as one second this could be happening and then suddenly your whole day gets ruined because oh no there's this horrible person that's on the street or i've just been you know uh, someone discovers something that someone shouldn't be holding or any number of things like that um yeah this movie really worked for me. I was so pumped after seeing this movie just because of how positive I felt about the experience it has had watching it. I was so glad to take in these performances, uh, take in the way they were kind of speaking to each other, the way they were addressing issues, the way they were incorporating their their use of you know, basically slam poetry um, to both kind of kid around as well as communicate exactly what's going on in their minds as far as what they're observing. Um, seeing the, you know, the city of Oakland depicted the way it is in this modern setting where it's been gentrified it's had all these things that have changed in oakland i'm not from oakland i've been to oakland many times my i have family that's opened that area um i've, I've seen it change over the course of the years that i've seen it uh, you know that i've been alive and it is neat to see a film that's really directly addressing that which leads into kind of where a lot of things are in general uh, as far as appropriation gentrification what have you um but no, yeah this movie the um even the way it handles its its themes, the ideas of class and race, what have you, I like that it's this kind of 2018 version of what we were seeing, uh, you know, John Singleton or Spike Lee or the Hughes brothers and their movies that we already mentioned and do the right thing. We haven't how they were addressing the topic of race at that time in both like the late 80s, early 90s. Here's a movie that's addressing what things are now, and it's a mix mm-hmm. of how it's the same, but how it's different in somehow, sometimes even worse ways. Um, and I just, I found all that fascinating. I found, I found it very entertaining. 
Um, just given how much humor there is in this, suspenseful at times when it needs to be, powerful at times. Like, I was all in on this. Blind Spot, it was great. Yeah, I I liked it because it presented you with two imperfect characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that you really root for. Like, you root for these friends to, you know, you root for Rafael Cassell's Miles um, to, you know, have a happy life with this family. And you root for um, Colin to, you know, overcome his felony charge, of which you find out what it is later. Um, and you want him to get back with uh, Janita Gavankar, um, whom I love since True Blood in the Game. Super hot. Uh, <laughs> she's such a great actress. And, and what I loved is that the movie never lets anyone off the hook for the things that they've done or that they've said it felt very real like even like when people make up in this movie it's earned like Mm. it might be happy but it's like it's not like they're like oh you said that mean thing i forgive you it's like there's a conversation yeah that happens and the two characters meet in the middle and they're like all right let's move on you know i i i liked that and i just yeah it did it did get a little on the nose for me but i think what made the movie really work is just how grounded it is in these characters and so it's like you you will go like i said i could have watched a whole 20 minutes more of of wherever they were gonna go right you mentioned you said you, you described the characters as imperfect, which is a perfect way of describing them. Where it's it's not as it's not about you know Colin was like this you know horrible person beforehand and now he's great after or whatnot. Or it's not like Miles is like this character. It's not like they the solution is something that I've seen in other movies as far as like he needs to break it off of this friend of his or whatnot. It it has right. a better way of handling all these things in addressing yeah. who these people are. And again, I mean going into this, like, I'm a, I am I know who David Diggs is. Like, I, I'm aware of him. I'm less aware of Raphael Cassell. Um, right. So, I'm inherently trying to be like, alright, this is like a movie about Colin, and he has his troublemaker friend. And I really like how it does handle Miles just as well as it handles Colin, as far yeah. as who these people are, what they need to do to kind of not necessarily get ahead, but just keep on keeping on. Um, and that's incredibly effective. It, it sets, in addition to all the other things that are going on with these characters, obviously Colin has it is ultimately it is his movie, but it doesn't not give the others things to consider, to do, to think about. Uh, especially right. with Miles, you know, being a white person in Oakland who has this kind yeah. of certain lifestyle versus Colin, who is his, black. He has his scenes too. Yes, he does. Uh, right. very... I was really Im- impressed by that because it's a perspective that I never really considered. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the Bay Area. I went to high school in Richmond. Um, Right down the street from where Ryan Coogler's mother used to live. Uh, but that's not important. Um, Miss, Mrs. Coogler? Humble brag! <laughs> yeah, right across the fence from Richmond High School, which is what they filmed Coach Carter Coach about. Carter, uh, yeah. So, like, I have encountered many a, a miles right. in my life. It always annoys me from people who are not from particular areas. So, like... But I bought Miles 100%. But what I loved was getting inside that character's head. Yeah. Seeing how he felt about his identity now. Like, that's a perspective that I had never seen. Um, So I really appreciated that. Yeah, and and I I really get to see 
to what Marcus was saying about, you know, the, the two scenes, the two N-word scenes from Started by the UN, also from Blindspotting. It's like, when they hit you with that scene here in Blindspotting, it's really fascinating the way that it plays out. Because, again, like what everyone has been saying, these aren't, like, they're, they're not, like, hokey lines. They're not, you know, nothing kind of ends with, like, a bowstring kind of thing. They're kind of just really dirty truths. And it's it's really fascinating to see that play out. You, um, I mentioned um, things like Boys in the Hood and Men of Society. What not, what I, and what I'm getting at there, too, is that those are characters in those movies, even do the right thing to an extent, they're young characters. They're people in their, you know, they're in high school, if not in their sure. you know, late teens or what have you. These are characters in their 30s. And so it's, I love that. I love that it's like, okay, we're getting this kind of urban drama, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to label it as, and you're seeing, you know, what these characters are now. Like, even if it's not in L.A., like those films are, or New York, now you have a character in the Bay Area that has characters that you can equate to in various ways that are now grown-ups, that they've they've lived this life, where they've, they've not necessarily been in gangs, but they've certainly been in the hood. They've been involved in this kind of thing. And where are they, what have they seen since then? And we're getting that perspective. And I just, that's such a cool way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And especially I mean, because they've, the, ri- they've written this over the course of ten, almost 10 years. 10 years. So it's yeah. like, they certainly have plenty of information to pull from. Um, so it's it's great. It just, it turns out right. so well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, one of the things I like about it, too, is that the, the factors of consequences in this. Um, you know, a good example is, I guess, when Miles is, or I'm sorry, Colin is talking to Val, and he's like, you know, Miles is really good. He, he went to go see me, like, twice a week kind of thing. And she lays the truth on him of why he probably did that. And I was like, man, see, this is just the dichotomy that you live in. And it's like, it's great. But at the same time, like, I love that they pointed that part out. Just like, you know, Miles, the reason why he's probably X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah, man, like there's it's different lifestyles for different people. Even if you grew up in the same places, like just, just you know, you, you kind of sometimes see things differently. So it was just some really, really cool stuff to uh, to observe on the screen. The extra layer that you pointed out, Marcus, too, as far as they are movers that are moving people into the neighborhood that they've seen right. kind of change. Like, that's wonderful. That is such a, yeah, is it's such a clever conceit for, cause I was thinking about that during the movie, too. I was thinking, what, this moving company is such a specific choice for them to have as an, since they wrote this movie, that's such a specific thing. And then, yeah, that is certainly something I considered and you just like kind of laying it out is, it is perfect. It is a perfect kind of, yeah. it exemplifies what they're going for by means of, a simple setting essentially by the way when i saw wayne knight on the on the opening credits i was like ah, i wonder what he's gonna play and he's actually got a really sweet role in this movie like uh he's kind of one one of those that have to has to kind of leave but at the same time like i love when they just started framing some of the uh the photos that he's taken or that character had taken i was like yeah see you know it's, it's nice that he's not like he's rich. not playing a newman type character he, get, right, he, he actually yeah. gets a character you know you get you can get stuck in that as far as Seeing a character like that, thinking he's going to be that way, or him. Not or he's not, you know, he's not trying to program a, a computer system to shut down so the dinosaur's going to escape. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that too. Obviously, <laughs> I, I think that 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 scene that scene is a perfect example of how this movie balances comedy and seriousness. There, I mean, there, they, there's a there's a moment where they're staring at each other, and it turns into this kind of serious moment, and then it goes back into the comedy, like. Yeah one beat two beat one beat you know it goes right back into it and it does it so well right it does it and it does it consistently we go from one moment of just uh he's having a nightmare to another moment where his mom is saying she's not going to move out because now that they got good food here 
you know, <laughs> like you, you, they balance it so well, so yeah. well. That made me laugh a lot that that line. But um, I also want to add about that that scene where you know Wayne Knight's asking them to look each other's eyes, kind of thing. Um, I'm always fascinated by audience reactions when these kind of things happen on the screen. This kind of brings me back to something like when we were talking about Bao, the short uh, in front of um, uh, Incredibles. Incredibles too, and you know some people kind of laughed at it, and some people were kind of just like, you know, quiet and understood. And for this one, I was like, I hope that people kind of just like go with the moment, like what Marcus is saying. You know, take what the uh, the director is trying to give you. Like you know that it's not as crazy deep, but at the same time, like, yeah, the music kind of cuts out, the sound kind of cuts out. You kind of just see their irises and you know, really live in that, that moment for a second there before it goes back into the goofiness. Cause, um, I think it could be like misinterpreted as, Oh, well this is like a goofy scene. It's like, well, it's actually a, like, it's actually a really nice moment. There's, um, two things I want to mention. Uh, first is, um, Tisha Campbell Martin from Martin. Um, yes. I like that sequence where they're like, he, uh, miles is trying to kind of, um, con his way to selling all these, um, hair straighteners. Flat iron. Yeah. And there's a, there's a point, it's just a small joke that just made me laugh a lot where, where, um, she, she's playing a character named Mama Liz and she, so she says something about M. Night Shyamalan and then like from like the chorus, there's like, always got a twist in his movie. Like it just, it just throws it out there and made me laugh a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, um, that was one of the most Spike Lee Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen outside of a Spike Lee movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just the way that's set up and the way, like, it's, if I'm remembering it right, it's like, they're on both, they're on opposite ends of the screen, and the camera's kind of like, it's slowly zooming in on each of them as it's, yeah. as it, as it gets, it's a cuts back and forth between yeah. them. It's just, it is a very Spike Lee-esque type sequence, but I, I just, there's a lot of good jokes in that sequence that I really liked. The other thing, more serious, what did you guys think of the handling of the kind of, uh, of the, of the cops stuff involved in the movie? The end. Yeah, it, that was a little, that was one of my on the nose moments. But I was like, you know, I'm just gonna go with this. Um, I thought that they handled it pretty realistically within the narrative. I get they just wove it into the character, right? So it was like, oh, I could go to the police, but like, who's gonna believe me? And, like, I also can't go to them because I miss curfew by nine minutes, you know? Right. Um, I thought they did a really good job of showing that. Uh, yeah, it got, a little, it got a little much at the end, but... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think that, that that scene was most, like, something that I would see on, like, uh, on a stage or maybe... Like, when I talk about spoken word musical, uh, mm -hmm. that's that scene where you kind of suspend a little bit of the belief on who's grabbing the gun and what's really going on is he letting this person say all this stuff or is he trying to do yeah. whatever i think you suspend belief because you're you're watching this person perform this guy's doing a performance which could have he could have broken into broken in the song or in another movie he could have broken into a dance sequence or whatever whatever it may have been sure. but he's in this room the lights they're on the stage the lights are focused just on them and they say go. I I liked it. I, I think that there was just enough of Ethan Embry um, in the movie in terms of like, uh, you know, it wasn't one of those things where now Colin is being harassed because they're like, oh, well, who's that guy in the truck, you know, driving that one night? It kind of eats more at him personally than it does like affect, uh, you know, than, than like the city trying to get at him. But um, for what they did show of Ethan Embry toward the end there, I, yeah, you know, it's, it's fine. It, it's, 
it's kind of rooted in truth as well. You know, we certainly saw the events of Fruitvale Station, and if you kind of kept up with that, that officer also ended up moving out of the bay. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, you know, it's not as though you needed to, in terms of the performance, I agree with Marcus, but in terms of just having that additional scene there, I'm glad that it didn't take up the rest of the movie of just, um, of having like a continuous back and forth with the police. I, I, I like the way that it, I, I like, I like the way that it, um, it used both the slam poetry and the constant imagery as a reminder, like the, the, the running through the, um, the cemetery, mm-hmm. um, there's some great imagery there that really emphasizes Colin's state of mind that I really enjoyed and the way it kind of all cold and you know, the constant kind of spitting back and forth between Colin and miles. I like how that's kind of brought up again and again. So then you get to this breaking point at the end where there's a whole delivery of things that come out and it feels natural to the film. Like it doesn't come, mm-hmm. it doesn't come out of nowhere. And so it, does, it didn't break it in any way for me. It just, it, it fits even if it is, yes, obviously addressing something very directly as opposed to making it, you know, subtext or, weaving it in a different sort of manner. I liked it. I like. I liked it a lot. And boy, has Ethan Embry had a far downturn from his days as the you know bright kid and can't hardly wait. <laughs> <laughs> now he's getting beat up by Harold and Kumar, and you might have like an STD. Are you well? When you, okay, so when you're asking that question, are you asking if um, if the police scenes were one sided? No, I'm I'm asking how effective you thought they were in in the film because I it comes it comes out you know the movie up until the point where we're introduced to this aspect of it uh, at least for me because I didn't see any trailers I didn't know what was necessarily coming uh, it's certainly like oh this just took a turn like that kind of reaction and then seeing how it's repeated throughout I I was happy with it focused on Colin's state of mind as opposed to a you know, a more somewhat traditional linear path that gets into like a crime drama territory that I just frankly didn't need. I don't need Colin to be like, I gotta like scope out this cop and see what he's up to or whatnot. It's more of the psychological journey he's going on handling this fact that's, you know, he has to deal with this on a, it could just easily have been him. That's the subject of this thing and how he, how he, how he embraces that in his mind. Well, I think, I think you get a really good moment with that guy. Once again, getting a perspective, not that I cared what he thought. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> because I truly did not. Uh, but he is he is afforded a moment as well. Yes. Yes. Which I, I appreciated as far as... Yeah, you know, I like, appreciate it. But, yeah. but like I agree with, with the, the first part of that, which is, you know, it's I didn't really so much mind, or I didn't really care about that perspective. Yeah. So again, the percentage that of, of the movie that he's in it fits perfectly. And also I do want to uh, de- double down on what Terrence had also mentioned earlier of just, you know, it, it is, I'm glad that they thought about the confine, the constraints and confinements that um, Colin is in so that he can't, you know, go on this, like this, uh, this almost like self crusade to go and, you know, speak up for the people that have died kind of thing. Cause he, yeah, he's got to hit curfew by 11. Yeah, it does. You know what? That's a good point because it, I don't think most people know who have never been incarcerated or anything how, or have never had a friend that's been incarcerated, know how uh, how what, what the restraints are for probation. They hear probation, and it is, you know, it, to them, some people it means don't, don't do anything, don't have any confrontation with the cop or something. But there are constraints. There are people who are watching you. There are people you have to report to. The halfway there houses. Are things you, yeah, yeah, halfway houses you can't. So this, I think this, uh, another great aspect of this movie, 
this really showed that he woke up every day in the halfway house. He had to come home every night. He had to sit at that same light. He had to get home. He it, saw something horrific, and he still had to get home. He, you know, stuff like that. And I think that really, if anybody were to see this who doesn't know a lot about this, this would this would really uh, be something for them to see. I um the actor that plays the kind of the the manager of the halfway house, uh, Kevin Carroll. I haven't seen him in much. I know he's in the leftovers. That's like the main thing I can yeah, think of him from. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think he's very good. I, do, I wouldn't necessarily say the movie could have used more of him, but I wouldn't have minded it either. I think he has a way, a soft spoken way of addressing something with, you know, severity that matters. And it certainly, it, it made the right impact that I needed for this movie. Right. Yeah. He kind of plays that look into, I'm your future role. If you don't kind of whatever, and if you don't get, get out of this, get out, get out of this thing that you're doing. Don't take me seriously. Take me whatever. I, I find my my area in life just me having to punish you for stuff is just as uh, as just as arbitrary as you you think it is. But please get your life together because right. this is yeah. not going to get any better. I I loved that moment because at, at one when you first meet him, you're we're with Colin all the time, so we're like, oh, here comes this overbearing guy, and then he just lays, he just makes it plain. Yeah, he's like. This is what you are. And like, you don't necessarily have to be, but this is what you are. So don't make me have to verify that with other people. Uh, that, that goes hand in hand with that. And I don't want to give all the scenes away, but that goes hand in hand with the scene where they show the cop on screen. And it seems we've seen, I've seen a lot. Yeah, it's something that plays on. Channel Four News all the time. Oh yeah, as far as how they portray people, portrayed in a suit, and you see the uh, the the felon, the black felon portrayed in in his you know uh, mugshot, 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 or not the most not the most friendly scenarios, and you get you dig you dig into their past, and you bring up things that do not matter whatsoever to the situation that occurred. Yeah, and the and the commentary on that is he's a felon, he's never going to get his day. He's, he's, that's it. He's a yeah. black felon. That's it. Yeah, I mean, again, there was a lot of like really hard truths in this one, and so that that one was uh, certainly one that a lot of people were just like, "Yep, that's true." So, um, but which one, I also want to shout out the uh, the Black Asian Alliance because you know uh, <laughs> Colin's mom is apparently now married to an Asian oh, man. I was yeah. like, "See, I'm not I gonna lie. Know. You know, in the Bay, you see a lot of that. So, you know, a lot of Blasians yeah. out here." That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Between, yeah, between I do that like that that one scene with that that where the stepfather comes in. He is perfect. That is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That is brilliant. I've seen that guy in Oakland, in San Francisco. I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess we all have to try try uh, uh, kale juice now as well. I think that's, uh, that's ten dollars. Is too much. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <It's> too much. <laughs> yeah. I re- I just I have to. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, between uh, between Colin's stepfather and uh, and Stephen Young, I mean, yeah, we're certainly setting the trail for uh, Asians in Oakland as well. It's, it's a good. Uh, there you go. Yeah, Oakland's coming up, man. It's, it was, yeah, <laughs> come through, come check us out. Well, uh, I, you know, if we could keep extolling praise on Blind Spot, I mean, I feel like we should just wrap it up and keep moving. Yeah, so, we'll it um, what, where, we got what, a lot to get through. When should people go and see Blind Spotting? Right now. Yeah, this is an immediate. You should go see it right now. If you listen, if you can. See it in Oakland, because my I, so I I went in, in in there packed house, trailers were sorry to bother you, 
Black Klansman and Mission Impossible starring Ving Rhames. <laughs> and, you know, hey, see it in Oakland if you can. You'll get the this is the best experience. I would, I would, I would definitely agree with that. I didn't see it in Oakland. I saw it in the city, but uh, I would love to have seen it at the Grand Lake Theater. Yeah, yeah. Go, go see it right now. This, <laughs> this movie's brilliant. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, if you get the Oakland experience, yeah, take that, take the Bart, uh, get off it. Where would you, where would you get off to get to the? Um, oh, you'd have to either get off at Twelfth or Nineteenth Street, and then you have to take like an Uber or you have to like take a taxi over to Grand Lake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's good that we got those details out. That's what I wanted to do. Here. <laughs> Yeah, I assume everyone is writing that down. Everyone's like, man, this this two-hour podcast has been great, not exhausting whatsoever. (laughs) Let me make sure to get the BART instructions so we'll see blind spotting now. Assuming I didn't skip ahead already because I got to put timestamps on it. All right. (laughs) Um, But no, blind spotting, great movie. I'm glad we all agree. Um, I look forward to kind of going over this or, you know, some of of this stuff again because I do think there's a lot. It's been... (laughs) There's another movie coming up soon that addresses a lot of issues as well and... um, there's going to be more to say, um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been nice talking about these two movies particularly. <laughs> I, lo- I look forward to where things are going. Um, so yeah, those are reviews for those for Sorry to Bother You and Blind Spotting, which are both in theaters now. Sorry to Bother You opened wider uh, a couple weeks ago, and I assume it'll add a little few more screens before it starts dying down. Blind Spotting, I believe, goes a little wide or wider next week. Um, so yeah, if you can find your way to it, be sure to do that because there's three black guys and Abe here that say, go do that. So there you go. (laughs) 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 All right, let's move on now. Let's get to our, uh, out and out feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. We asked a number of questions for you, the listener, and you gave us answers. Then you, the listener, actually, we didn't get any questions, which is unfortunate. I would have liked to get some questions this week. But that said, it's been a long show, so who needs questions? What am I saying? Never mind. Let's go. Let's do it. Favorite, uh, Marcus Terrence, feel free to chime in if you feel like it. Uh, favorite film set in the Bay Area. Chris writes, bullet, mic drop, my work is done here. Justin writes, wasn't the new Godzilla in San Francisco? Yes, it was. Uh, Christopher what? writes, The Rock. Justin writes, Antman. Philip writes, Zodiac, all caps. And Patrick writes, any Dirty Harry film. Mm. Favorite Bay mm. Area movies. I'm not going to lie. I, I still get weirded out when I watch Zodiac because I was like, I know exactly where some of these places are, and I can never look at them the same way. So it, it is spooky, uh, the level of, I guess, authenticity. But definitely, I would add blind spotting to that. Yeah, that's a blind spotting. Got a, got a perfect score for me, so yeah, I'd add Blind Spotting and Zodiac in there. Fruitvale Station's another one that I really like. Oh, Fruitvale Station, yeah. That's a fast. That's a. Ooh, this is a really good question because I never. San Andreas. I love San Andreas. Um, <laughs> X Three, The Last Stand. Is that is that going on? No. <laughs> no. What What movie is that? I I am not aware of. A... Actually, I think we did vote that out, so <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about either. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bullet is great, though. I think I might go with that one. Bullet's a great mm-hmm. answer. There's a lot of good answers yeah. here. <laughs> but, um, all right. What's next? Uh, next question. What are your favorite films about adjusting to a new life after prison or a life-changing event? Chris has American History X. That's a good answer. Justin has Ocean's Eleven. That's a great answer. Heat also Ant-Man. Mike has Doomsday. And Philip has Bella. Films about adjusting to a new life post-prison or life-changing event. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. What about taxi drivers? That... Yeah, that's like after war. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a great war, way. To, that's yeah. a great example. That's a really good example. Yeah, I like that one. Choose that. 
By the way, film in the Bay Area. I totally forgot about Social Network. That's like I oh, guess that is. Yeah, that yeah. Is, that's the Silicon Valley. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, films about adjusting to a new life. Um, I would. Uh, Ocean's Eleven is actually a really fun answer to that. Yeah, it is. I'm trying to think of one adjusting after prison. Um, that's a harder one, but um, I'm sure this one with The Rock again, right? Fast, faster, he did just get out of jail. <laughs> Is, isn't the one where like, like he, he's, he's also out of jail and then he's a truck driver and his son has to do some, some weird stuff? Snitch. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Snitch. I, I didn't have a good tagline. That's why I didn't use it in the game last week. <laughs> uh, what about uh, does Hell or High Water count? Ben Foster's out of like he just got out of prison, right? Is that how that one works? I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that works. It's okay. a, it's a matter oh. of this is a character that Chris Pine knows he can use because he he can't function in reality. He's better doing this kind of thing, but not yeah. That's a good answer. I like that. Or Demolition Man, of course. Yeah, he gets spot out. <laughs> well, yeah, life change. I mean, he's in the future in that movie. Like that's you know. Yeah. Yeah. Taco Bell's a gourmet uh, restaurant now. <laughs> oh, that was, so that was a big thing at Comic Con Day since it's the 25th anniversary. Of, I was wondering why they had those. There, it's, it's, like, it's the 25th anniversary of Demolition yeah. Man, so they had a okay. special like Taco Bell setup, the future version of Taco Bell setup, at, at down in San Diego. Okay, all right. Because I was like, you know, I don't understand why they would have this this display here right now. It's, it's but cool. I guess 25 years is a landmark. No, yeah, it's a it's a clever thing to do, I suppose. All right, all right. Next question. Uh, favorite films about friendship. Justin writes, Easy, Back to the Future, Ratatouille, Monsters, Inc., Cars, Captain America, and again, Ant-Man. All those Pixar mentions, no Toy Story, which is surprising. Uh, <laughs> Mike writes, Hot Tub Time Machine. Chris writes, Leon and Cinema Paradiso. Uh, Philip writes, When Marnie Was There. Patrick writes, Stand By Me. And Jim writes, The Shawshank Redemption. Friend of the show, Jim Dietz writes, The Shawshank Redemption. Mm. I still don't know the the name of the place where he told Red to go. I can't remember it. It was either um, Aruba, Jamaica, or who I want to take it to, Barbuda, or Bahamas, or I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's one of those. Come on, pretty mama. Uh, I want to add the Fox and the Hound. You know. Oh, oh they're best friends to the end. <laughs> what about uh, Flight of the Navigator? Ooh. They're friends. Yeah? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I'm going to give you a... A black movie to go along with these two black movies. Oh, yes. uh, the Brothers from uh, oh. around 2001. Okay. I remember The Brothers. I, I, like I loved that movie. <laughs> Who directed The Brothers? I'm trying to remember. It was directed by Gary Hardwick. That's right. There <laughs> it is. Okay. And written by him as well. I'm trying to think, I'm trying, okay, I haven't thought about the brothers in forever because that's like it's in that time like it's after the wood and after best man. What is? What yeah. favorite? I know, Abe, you're you're a big fan of the wood. So. I love the wood. <laughs> like I love when he's describing like New England baseball and he's like, I love the line that uh, his buddy says after that. You know what? You know what I like about movies like the brothers is that the trailer guy has to say all the names and I love hearing the names because it's Morse Chestnut, <laughs> D.L. Hughley, <laughs> Shema Moore. Like they're the best names they can hear in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we need more of that stuff. By oh. the way, I watched a uh, somebody had made like a VHS version of of skyscraper the trailer. We'll have to post it to our Facebook page. But that was that was a fun watch. Yeah, do that. Um, tweet all it. Right. Tweet well, that. Next wait, 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 wait. I got I had an answer. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was cheating. I'm um, using the entire Cornetto trilogy um, with, okay. si- with Simon yeah. Pegg and Nick Frost. 
I like it. You know, they start out as like people who just love pubs, and then they become cops, and then become uh, uh, people who save the world. Right. <laughs> and battle alcoholism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's the guy that's dry on that one? Is that is that uh, Smart, Nick Frost? Uh, no, it's um. Oh, it's uh, oh, it is Nick Eddie Frost. Martin. No, 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 it is it is Nick Frost. You're right, it is Nick Frost. Yeah, is he, it Nick Frost? He gets okay. the he gets the water. I can't remember if it was him or Eddie Eddie no, Morrison. No, they're all anyway, drink. yeah, they're all drinking. Uh, next question: What's the worst Denzel Washington movie? I think Aaron might have an answer for this. Philip has the man is a national treasure. How dare you, sir? Uh, Mike has he doesn't make bad movies unless he Chris has the preacher's wife. <laughs> His wife isn't a bad movie. Wait a minute. Did yeah. he direct that movie? No, he didn't direct that movie, but it's a good uh, movie. Preacher's... Yeah, the preacher's wife is good. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 perfectly fine. Um, I mean, yeah, I because I, I was I was I got out of Equalizer. I was thinking like, what is worse than this movie? Because I'm really trying to think, and it's like, what? Because even the ones I don't consider to be very good, there's generally something good about them that I can admire. There's nothing I admire about Equalizer Two. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Carbon Copy is not a good movie. He he plays the black son of George Seagal. It's it's weird. It's a weird movie. Um, and heart heart conditions where he dies and he plays he plays a ghost that's haunting Bob Bob Hoskins and in the and Bob Hoskins is, <laughs> and Bob Hoskins is racist and but they, they, Smee? they yeah Smee yeah. himself they're like, it's like a buddy cop thing where the where the buddy is a dead a dead black lawyer. <laughs> It's, it's really it's really bad but it's like that's a more fun premise to describe than equalizer 2 so sure. yeah that's where i'm at that's where i'm at right now equalizer two. well i guess i'll sit there because uh you know, i haven't really i don't think he's bad in any of his, his movies but i haven't he's seen not equalizer particularly bad in everything like it's not his fault necessarily john q's right. a bad movie i like saying that because people seem to like it he wears a okay he wears backwards though <laughs> you have lost your john q is excellent i know you love john q <laughs> <laughs> Pop quiz, what is John Q? What's like his full name? No, I'm not doing that today. Okay, all right. <laughs> John Quincy Archibald. <laughs> yes. Um, Roman J. Israel Esquire is my answer for this. Okay, all right. I like Roman J. Israel Esquire. <laughs> because I haven't seen Book of Eli and I haven't seen Equalizer 2. Oh, we saw but... it together too. Me, you, and Anna were all sitting next to each other watching Roman J. Yeah. Israel Esquire. <laughs> well, he was great. In Roman J. Israel Esquire. But the movie it just It's terrible. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is where Okay. I guess that was the story you wanted to tell. That that's that's a fair assessment. You did say he's great in it because that's true. He is great in it. It great in a I'm not just phoning it in Denzel way. He's actually playing yeah. like a character in that movie, which is legitimately I... great in it, but the rest of the movie was terrible. Oof. All right. I don't like flight either. Just saying, like putting that out there. I'm drunk right now. <laughs> I'm gonna roll it. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah, we're gonna roll it. <laughs> John Goodman, great in that movie. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Let's move on. What's the next question? <laughs> Favorite films about working for a corporation. Patrick writes Office Space. Justin writes RoboCop, Die Hard, The Firm, Disney's Inner Workings, Short. Uh, Office Space was the first that came to mind. All right. Uh, Chris writes. Christopher writes. Boiler Room and Working Girl. Stefan writes. Uh, Nine to Five and Big Business. Uh, Philip writes. The Bad Sleep Well. Nathan writes. The Apartment. That's a great answer. These are a lot of these are good answers. The Apartment is just one of my favorite movies. Uh, Frankie writes. T two hashtag Skynet. Uh, Jones writes. <laughs> uh, uh, 
I think that's Mike. Mike writes Aliens. Jim writes uh, Brazil and Alien. Brazil is like Jim's one of his oh. like favorite movies ever. So yeah, that's a, I saw that coming. But so I, I super want to shout out Frankie because I I had the exact same answer and I was like I hope that nobody says it because I want to I want to you know tell everybody that Scandinavia is the one that t- uh, ruins the world and then Frankie wrote it. So kudos. <laughs> so movies about working for a corporation. Mm. I mean, I, I lamented to you guys about Office Space already, but yeah. that's why I can't watch Silicon Valley right now. I haven't seen any episode of it. I just, I'm so afraid. Never seen Silicon how good Valley. Mike Judge is. Yeah, I've it's never seen good. it. It's, it's really funny. Yeah, it might, I'm it so might, afraid. Uh, yeah, it might give you PTSD or something. Yeah. Working for a corporation. Gotta be awful. Um, I also uh, would echo the RoboCop thing because uh, you know, Director Four. Can I use Casino Royale under a technicality? <laughs> go go on. But the corporation is the government? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mama has been very bad. Like you're, you're going on these reaches for these answers. <laughs> or I, could, I like or, it, though. I like it. Or like Star Trek. Starfleet being weird? <laughs> as a corporation. By the way, Starfleet in San Francisco. <laughs> yep, classic Bay Area movie. That's what we say. Even though, <laughs> even though that building is Cal State Northridge. <laughs> is that right? No, in, in the future they lift, they hella lifted it up and moved it to San Francisco. <laughs> or after the events of 2012 in San Andreas, the <laughs> San Francisco and LA have met. It was the only logical response. That could that could definitely work out. And what's next? Uh, we rebuild. Yeah. Uh, next question. Uh, favorite films about taking a stand for something important? Christopher has 1776, Amistad, Hidden Figures, Philadelphia, 12 Years a Slave, Milk, and Wonder Woman. Mike has Return of the Jedi when Luke refuses to turn to the dark side. Justin has Do the Right Thing, Captain America Civil War, and Courage Under Fire. And lastly, Philip has Cloud Atlas. So films about uh-huh. taking a stand. Uh-huh. Cloud Atlas, wow. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I didn't expect that. I was not expecting that. Great score. How to Survive a Plague. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> good doc. Um, make a more something obscure. <laughs> ah, fuck something it. I'll just, obscure? No, nah, fuck it. I'll just go if Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my answer is staying and deliver. He makes those kids get their AP credit. Hey, Mr. Escalante, <laughs> gotta teach the calculus. Yeah. What about that one uh, with Jennifer Lopez where she's had enough? What's that one? <laughs> it's, called, it's called It's called Enough. enough. <laughs> yeah. She learns how to fight? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like, what was, that, what was that movie in the 90s with Julia Roberts faking her own death? Sleeping with the enemy? Sleeping with the enemy, the other one, where, like, you know, her husband is, like, abusive, and she's also got to go on the lamb. Anyway. The Pelican Priest like not bad. Trying to think of Denzel movies. Pelican Priest? <laughs> Pelican Priest not yeah. bad. That's fine. Not what bad. that one did with uh, Mark Wahlberg? Two guns? <laughs> it's, not uh, it's also standing for something important. A lot of law movies, so I'm, you have... I'm not a huge fan of two guns, but Bill Paxton's, like, legit terrifying in that movie for some reason. It's okay, like, <laughs> yes. No. He's probably the only part I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, another law movie, A Few Good Men, one of my favorites. You know, you gotta stand up for uh, honor. So. Or twelve? How about Twelve Angry Men? There we go. That is Henry Fonda taking a stand. Very good. Yeah. All right. Next question. All right. What last question? What are the what film? What are films that take unexpected turns that you love or like less because of it? 
Mike writes, mm-hmm. de- Mike writes death proof when you find out Stuntman Mike isn't supernatural and he screams like a girl. <laughs> um, Philip writes, can it be a turn that makes us like it more or just a negative reaction to the turn? He didn't fill out a secondary answer to go with his question, but I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, and Justin writes from Dust Till Dawn. Interesting. He liked it less when the vampire showed up. No, it's a no. It's a question of. <laughs> I, I wrote a love, love or oh, love, love or like, like less. less. Okay, yeah, so all right. You can so go either way. Just you like could it. go either way. So, I, I, so okay. I, I assume he likes it more because of this. <laughs> yeah, I also was like, oh, well, I misread it as like which one when it takes a turn so goes movies less that, like movies that you really like or really dislike because of the giant turn of a giant turn yeah. it takes. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Sorry to bother you. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> Obviously, that's the inspiration yeah, for this know. question. Uh, oh, yeah. Dang. What you movies? Really? I will uh, say a movie that took many turns that I liked a lot is Wild Things. Okay. I love that movie. It, it like, turns upon turns upon turns. Do you like it more or less? More. Okay. Planet of the Apes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Blew it up. The Mark Wahlberg one, I was assuming. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, God. Ape, Link- Ape Lincoln. <laughs> uh, anything from you, Aaron? I'm trying to think of one that I can really single out here. Um, either way. For some reason, the movie 15 Minutes came to mind. Is that because Robert De Niro like dies like two-thirds of the way into it? And it just kind of goes from there. I'm like, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I can't remember if I had a viscerally negative reaction to it or not. So it's just like, oh, that's sad. Is in the movie. Oh, I have a better uh, Ed one. Burns. Ed Burns. Is, it's him oh, and De Niro. Ed Burns. Yeah. That one. Okay. Yeah. I have a better one. Yeah. How about The Witch? The Vivitch? Yes. Oh, as in... You didn't, you didn't like it or you did like it? No, I, I loved it for witch. taking oh, the time I did. Okay. That's a good answer. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's out now. Feedback. 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 Now let's uh, let's start wrapping things up here. Um, let's uh, do a little out now. Let's present out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. Feel free to give a yay or a nay if you feel so inclined to speak up. First is uh, Ready Player One. Yeah, I liked it. Go see it. Yeah. Nay. Enjoyable. <laughs> nay. <laughs> uh, next is Operation Red Sea. I believe this is a Chinese release. That's like been massive um elsewhere mm. and not you know i think it's like one of like like legit not one as of, big as wolf cop not as big as wolf cop not as big as wolf cop 2 yeah. <laughs> well, wolf cop 2 which has made made a ridiculous ton of money last year uh but yeah it's like one of china's biggest hits wolf warrior you mean wolf, wolf warrior oh you said wolf cop okay wolf, wolf, I, wolf I thought you're that we've talked to the director about. Well, well, because I was on the I was on the topic of Chinese movies that made a lot overseas, yeah, yeah. so I heard Wolf Warrior yeah, in my mind. Yeah. yeah, it was the worst example you could have provided. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next is uh, Gravity Falls, the complete series. That's a great series. You should go see it. It's only like two or three seasons, and it, I think it's actually only three seasons, right? But yeah. still, go see it. It's Regardless, fun. it's all out now in a whole box set. Yeah. Uh, in the Mouth of Madness is on Screen Factor this week, along with Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Uh, both John Carpenter films. One is John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. The other is Memoirs of the Invisible Man, directed by John Carpenter, because he's not a big fan of that movie. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Um, but I am a, if you like seeing Sam Neill go crazy in horror movies and you're, you've watched Event Horizon too many times, watch In the Mouth of Madness, because it's awesome. <laughs> lots of, uh, lots of HP Lovecraft stuff in there. And then Chevy Chase is invisible. So there's, you know, there's that movie also. Um, <laughs> let's see. What else? 
on a Criterion Collection this week, A Matter of Life and Death. This is the Pal and Pressburger movie that I actually got from a Criterion. I'm excited to watch it and review it because it's, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's really good. Um, let's see. Beyond Reanimator is out this week. This is the third Reanimator film, if you're a fan of that series. Uh, got a new Blu-ray release. And lastly, on Warner Archive this week, Supergirl! The 1984 Supergirl with Helen Slater and... Um, oh, who, who's the who's the villain? Oh god! Um, oh, it's not like uh, what's her name? She's a network. Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. Thank you. <laughs> She's the villain. <laughs> Supergirl's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's, it, it's got a new release and like three. There's like three versions I like of it. You, I like it. You spent all the time and then and then you edit it with Supergirl's terrible <laughs> because it matters, Abe. It matters to get the details correct. <laughs> but it is terrible. Wait, but there's like three. Super, ver- yeah, the movie. Supergirl had Faye Dunaway. Mm-hmm. Mia Farrow and Peter O'Toole. Yeah, no, it had people. It's a, it's a big all-star cast. Yeah. Wow. They're like, we're in between on the whole Superman movie thing. Let's part. Let's go with Supergirl. And the results were not good. <laughs> they were just, they're not good. But I believe this archive release has um three. It has the theatrical version, like an extended cut, and the international cut. So all the versions of Supergirl are out there now. So you can oh, just get all right. that if you want to. <laughs> Almost like it's it's approaching Blade Runner territory. Exactly. Yeah. And you find out that she actually is an android at the end. It's really, it's a weird movie. She's, she's what a, is this, Project Aiko? She's a clone of Brainiac. It's crazy. I, I didn't see it coming either. But, uh, anyway, let's, none of that's true. Let's move on. Uh, that's how numbers are Now let's move on to extremely cool. There's things that are now streaming on Netflix. Um, I saw something that's called Duck Duck Goose is on Netflix. It's like an animated film with a lot of voices. It's like, I just okay. wanted to say Duck Duck Goose in this podcast, and now I have. So my mission's complete. Um, also out, that's new, Godzilla, colon, City on the Edge of Battle. This is the second um, anime Godzilla film. There was one a few months ago that I watched that was uh, I enjoyed quite a bit. This one I watched not as good. It takes a long time to kind of get going. Uh, okay. But if you're a fan of Godzilla and you you know or anime and you want to see you know the two of those combined, it's really neat to see. Like, By the way, browsing the catalog, and you might have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but uh, The Signal is also on Netflix. I actually, I didn't mention that, but I did I did notice that when I was browsing the Netflix the other day. It's like, oh, The Signal's on there now. Cool. <laughs> we are big fans of The Signal on this, uh, this Check podcast. Check it out. Yeah. On Prime this week is uh, How to Talk to Girls at Parties. This is the film starring uh, Elle Fanning, and it's based off a Neil Gaiman uh, comic, I believe. I didn't, I didn't see it. Uh, anybody? Yeah, I didn't see it either. I think it kind of went in and out of theaters, right? Yeah. I don't know what to say unless anybody else does. Seems like no. <laughs> no. no. All right. Let's move on then. Next week's show. Next week we're talking Mission Colon Impossible Dash Fallout, the latest Mission Impossible film starring Tom Cruise, of course, along with many others. And I cannot wait to see this movie. I'll tell you that right now. Oof. Didn't you already see it? I did not already see it, Abe. I have, and it's Ooh. amazing. <laughs> oh, I want to see, see if he hits the, the truck head on. Or he gets out of that somehow. I I just don't see any way. But I guess I'll, I'll Marcus, too many questions. Marcus, Marcus, it's not called Mission Difficult. It's Mission Impossible. You know what I'm saying? Difficult will be a walk in the park for Ethan Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> that's some brilliant writing from MIT right there. It never gets old. It's just no, that's just fun to say. No, Anna and I are seeing it this week. Uh, I'm very okay, cool. excited to see this movie because. It looks fucking amazing. That's why. And from everything I'm hearing, it is fucking amazing. So oh, yeah, we'll see what is. happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Last thing we do here: what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Marcus Robinson, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, is Deadpool two still out? Probably. Probably. Uh, well, please see that because I have a bet to win. 
<laughs> and I need ticket sales. I think that's on the only stuff. reason you're saying this. I was I forgot for a second. Yeah, I forgot if you really like Deadpool too. Movie of the summer. <laughs> but if you can't find it, blind spotty. Honestly, what, what do you see next? Uh, mission, mission. I got to find out if he gets his seatbelt unbuckled. <laughs> Does he get the seatbelt unbuckled before? You need to know before the helicopter <laughs> comes down. Jeez. Oh <laughs> Uh, Terrence Johnson, what do people see in theaters right now? Uh, if it's playing near you, go see Three Identical Strangers. Oh, oh documentary. Yeah. Um, and that's all I'll. I literally won't even tell you what it's about. Just go see the movie. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a good strategy because yes, I I, I knew the trailer going in, and as much yeah. as I feel the feel the film still has surprises, it is sure. cool to like talk about or like think about you know people seeing this that don't know anything about what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, and what am I seeing? That I, I do need to see Skyscraper. I cannot let yeah, you've, you've a disaster <laughs> movie. I do. I cannot let a disaster movie set in a high rise with The Rock go unwatched. So I have to. I have to see the movie. I was going to ask you what you thought of Skyscraper because I didn't. I didn't know if you saw it or not. But you haven't seen it. Yet. Well, he's got. He's, it yet. he's got a fake leg. <laughs> exactly. That makes me even more excited to see the movie. All right. Ape. Disaster movies are good. Um, uh, 100% go see Blind Spotting. If you haven't seen that, uh, try and uh, check out, I guess, any of these smaller films, like the the documentaries. I still haven't seen R- R- RBG, which I definitely no, want to check out. No. But um, I've heard that there's a great slew of documentaries out right now. Um, and then uh, next, uh, Mission Impossible. Very fitting. Three Day Identical Strangers and Won't You Be My Neighbor are number 14 and yeah, 15. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Mission, or I'm sorry. Yeah, that one too. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. The they're, other. They're, doc- both, they're both 14 and 15 at the box office this weekend. They're right next to each other. But yes, it wow. is a, it is a, for documentaries, relatively speaking, it is a very good year for both quality documentaries as well as ones that have been successful at the box office. So, yeah, general question. Do you guys know when documentaries are generally released? Like, is it all throughout or is this like just a weird time for them to be released all in the summertime? Well, it's all throughout. Uh, yeah, all throughout. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's things that like, so something like these, like like hit at Sundance or various film festivals that are like, okay, now we have our big release on it. But yeah, there's not a there's not a time frame for documentary right, specifically right. coming. It's out. not like oh, let's it's trying we're trying to win Oscars, let release it all in October kind of thing. Yeah, the, 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 Terrence, you might be able to speak to this better than I can, but it doesn't seem like the kind of the the aggression <laughs> of putting movies out at a certain time to make sure they're recognized. I don't think it seems to qualify as much for documentaries. No, for documentaries, you just need a one week. Mm-hmm. You know, trial mm-hmm. at, in in L.A. and New York City, I believe it is. But a lot of these documentaries are coming out just because, you know, we've got all these big tentpole movies. And so the Mark Marins of the world don't want to see uh, superhero movies. So you got to give them something to watch. <laughs> I love that's your go-to <laughs> reference. I was like, yeah, wow. I've never heard that guy mentioned on a podcast. Well, cause he he, did, wasn't he like in an interview this week? He said that exact thing. That kind of thing. He said that on his podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. WTF, got it. Um, if you want to have a very black weekend or week, go see Sorry to Bother You or Blind Spotting. If you want to have a very white weekend, go see Eighth Grade or Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, <laughs> all of those are quite quality, I would say. Um, Leave No Trace, if you can find it, I think it's really, really good. Um, certainly. Uh, certainly. Yeah, my favorite overactor underplays in a movie. It's really, uh, it's pretty, quite impressive. Um, and yeah, next is uh, Mission Quote Impossible Fallout. Uh, so yeah, all right. Long one, I know, guys, but that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron Name. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. All my reviews and everything I do can be found, kind of put over there eventually. You can also find me writing on We Live Entertainment. I do movie reviews as well as I'm currently covering the show Preacher on a weekly basis. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? 
Instagram, abemua.jpg, Twitter, Walrus Moose, uh, hashtag welcome to Oakland BZ, and Sub640 the podcast. <laughs> I haven't heard anybody refer to as a BZ in so long. <laughs> it's definitely Bay Area slang. <laughs> that just warmed my heart. Uh, Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of your work online? At Movies Marcus and at Movies or MoviesMarcus.com. Terrence Johnson, where can people find more of your work? You can find me at Lenoir Tour, L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R dot net. I'm also on Twitter, uh, Lenoir Tour. And starting on Monday the 23rd, you can find some of my stuff at CC2K Online. Oh, cool. Hey, that's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when the podcast is being released. Tuesday. Talk about Tuesday. It'll be, so it'll be there. Cool. Yeah. Be there. Be, there. be sure to check that out. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it. Um, you can find more of our episodes over on iTunes as well as on Audioboom. We're on the Google machine. You can check us out SoundCloud, Podomatic, uh, HHWLOD. Feel free to email us any thoughts you may have had on blind spotting. Sorry to bother you. Any of the trailers we talked about or more over at outnetpodcast at gmail.com. Answer questions. Give us questions. Give us feedback. Facebook.com slash outnetpodcast or twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And be sure to send us plenty of gifts of Oakland living over at outnetpodcast.tumblr.com. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, Terrence and Marcus. Thank you both for joining us this evening. Super this. big thank you Welcome. to both of you. This extra long yeah. podcast. <laughs> I saw that 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 uh, that Tyler Perry movie's coming out pretty soon. So, <laughs> well, Tiffany <laughs> Haddish and Whoopi Goldberg. Let me know. <laughs> but no, yeah, thank cool. thank you again, guys, for joining that us. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, when we choose to accept another mission, until then, so long. And goodbye. All I know is hustle. All I know is bubble. All I know is struggle. All I know is trouble. All I know is smuggle. Yeah. All I know is double. Ain't nobody business but the town. All of the scales is digital underground. Step up, step, step up. So you know I get around, but I be right back like the cracks in the foundation. That's why we like what's cracking and what's shaking. Baseline birth from the earthquaking and we bend, never break. Fast every day. Hungry tummy always coming for the biggest plate. And the shift right, left like the wipers on the scraper. Go to rain gon' come while you hiding under paper. No seeds rolling tree with a loose leaf garden. Call a spade a nigga, but these niggas they ain't sharp enough to break dirt. Better know I've been about the soil. Cali been been about the gold like Texas, been about the oil. So slick when I slide through. Chick wanna ride too. Click bona fide. Homicide like the nine do. Mine's been on I do. Married to the hustle on fire like Pyru. No blood. Muscle on wide. I'm middle of the block like what? Same white teeth still don't give a fuck. Same white teeth, same smile still suck. Same white people sitting with the game fucked up. Set my day one spitting with the flame untucked. It's the base, son. You missing what we saying? Yeah. Dumb luck. Uh, what you thought it was a game? Dominoes and bones when it's money in the way. Break a couple for you when you run into the gang. Don't be acting brand new if you really want to play. Bitch, yeah. welcome to the bay. I don't got too many friends, huh? Many rob me of my intuition, so I ask them. Playing my position, I got 20-20 vision. I don't listen if the pimping isn't part of how you flex, huh? Got me feeling extra, bless up. Three deep the car, mobbing about the Monty. What I'm dropping is CPR to push down on a couple bodies. Too clown to be speaking hard, and I seen you wasn't around till I freed up a couple yards. Oh, you thought that was easy? A lot of fakers caught the tape and then repeat me. I was in a scraper pulling favors for the capers, putting cash on commissary for my motherfuckers caught up in the danger at the precinct. Me thinks we should body this new flock of two cocky bourgeoisie bitch looking hipster kids passing his rap shit that seemed far too popular. Putting a couple shots in a monocle.
curse. Thinking they gods when they not even common carpenters. Holler and hollow is top notch telemarketers. Who got some top now? You talking tall as a tightrope. But in a crap game, he don't know how to dice roll. What you thought it was a game? Dominoes and bows when it's money in the way. Break a couple for you when you run into the gang. Don't be acting brand new if you really want to play, bitch. Welcome to the bank. Hold on, right that down.